Everybody, quiet. My mom's calling me. Hi, honey. How's your flu? Sorry you couldn't join us for Thanksgiving. I'm here and I'm making cocktails. Uh, Mom, you're breaking up. Drop the call. Make a real connection with the Kahlua Cold Blue Soda, the unofficial drink of Friendsgiving. Stick to the script. Drink responsibly. Kahlua Rum and Coffee Liqueur, 20% alcohol by volume. Product of Mexico, 2019 imported by the Kahlua Company, New York, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, Ooses? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war, because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. What is going on, everyone? It is Anthony DeStefano, your host of the 2019 Wrestle Hub Wrestling Podcast Awards, reminding you that voting ends on the 25th of November, so there is still time to vote for your favorite podcast. Go over to the Wrestle Hub on Twitter to vote, and don't miss the award show December the 8th live on YouTube. If you want to support the awards, go over to patreon.com backslash the Wrestle Hub. PA to support. We will see you the 8th and thank you for keeping wrestling real. Thanksgiving edition. It is the Thanksgiving tradition. This is the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio, Hill, the 24 nominated network that is sure to blow your minds come December 8th. I am Nate the Effin Great, and I'm being joined here by, I don't know how we described it, I think this would be like my Kevin, the Kevin to my Dwight at this point. Yes, that's an office reference because we're awesome like that. He is indeed the one, the only, your favorite Canadian in mine, especially on Twitter, the one and only, Mr. Fretz. How's it going, my good sir? About once a year, I make some of my Kevin's famous chili. <laughs> I all night, pressing garlic and peeling whole tomatoes. Yeah, it is me, it is me, it is Mr. F-R-E-T-Z, back from my vacation. Hello, Nate, and excuse me while I say hello. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh man, guys! I know some of, some of our friends like to say 
RVD. I'm saying hello to Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Sandman by drinking, oh, cheap plug, the Second Wedge Brewing Company Three Rocks IPA. The hoppier, the happier friends is. <laughs> yes, I, I went on a little holiday last week back to my old stopping grounds um, of Lindsay, Ontario. A shout out to Danny, who's from, not Lindsay, but pretty close to the area there. Woo, Danny! Even though, the BFF. I pissed off, even though I pissed off Nikki something fierce, but who doesn't these days? <laughs> Still That's shout out, I, I, oh. Nikki, you're awesome. Uh, I slandered New York bagels and said Montreal bagels will better, but that's because they are. Anyways, I know I'm just going to get kicked off the network by all of our New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, oh, follow me on Twitter at the legendary JF. I hope that everyone can hear me. My microphone's a little further away, but I felt like recording from the recliner because uh, I just got off work. Uh and I, I just got to say that, Nate, uh, the solo show last week, you absolutely killed it. Well, thank you, sir. You, you, did, you, you did very well. I, I actually, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that episode. Well, thank and, you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, the last time I went back to my parents' house, uh, SmackDown 1000 took place. Uh, this was, the, we got the tease between uh, Batista and Triple H for WrestleMania. Last week, a certain former WWE champion decided to poke his head into Fox's uh, After the Bell and uh, kill the internet, kill my phone, and uh, kill Kate Murphy. Um, (laughs) I know who you're talking about, too. Mr. Phil Brooks, CM Punk, made his return not to the WWE itself... I mean, if you listen to the Kings of the Rings, that King Ricky's already slayed the marks. We know he's not back in the WWE, but he's back on Fox talking about wrestling. And I think that's... I never thought it would happen. I mean, if like a few months ago I someone would say to me, Hey, uh, CM Punk's going to be talking about wrestling. I'd be like, uh, what drugs are you on and can I have some? <laughs> right. No, I, it was honestly a great moment to see CM Punk... Back on, I guess you could say, WWE programming, even though he's not working directly for the WWE, he's actually working for Fox. Uh, I think it's a great deal for him. And just in those two uh, episodes, I think I actually did not mention this on last week's episode, uh, he appeared at the end of WWE backstage, and then this week he went a little more in-depth. He got to talk with Renee Young one-on-one. Honestly, that was a pretty good summary uh, not as vulgar and not as I think bitter as it was during the uh, Cole Cabana podcast uh, but honestly it is one of those situations where I like the way that Renee Young was very professional about this she didn't do like any probing questions except for one and that was when are we going to see CM Punk back in the ring and Punk you know he kind of shalantly was like well you know I'm like I'm 41 right now and it's not one of those things where it's like on his priority list to get back in the ring, but it's one of those things where Renee Young tried to slip a never-say-never kind of deal in there, and Punk was just kind of like, well, maybe, you just never know. So people are already going crazy, like, oh, he should face Seth Rollins, he should face AJ Styles, he should face this, and blah, 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 blah. I'm going to take it as it is, the way it is right now. Um, Do I see CM Punk getting in the ring? No, I definitely do not. 
would I like to? I, I mean, the inner, you know, Chicago in me is saying, yes, every fiber of my being, yes. But at the same time, Straight Edge definitely had its time. And he did everything there could be to accomplish except main event WrestleMania, which was BS, by the way. Um, but I am perfectly content with, you know, CM Punk not getting back in the ring. Uh, he also did get have a little bit of fun where he talks about uh, Seth Rollins, he buried a bit of the creative on so many different interview platforms, which I thought was amazing. Uh, he gave <laughs> David Arquette an F plus for his promo against Booker <laughs> T, which is the most. Get it! <laughs> oh my uh, god! We're gonna review that movie someday, man. Oh that! Oh yeah! Um, no. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you know, here's a here's a funny story. While you were gone. Um, the guys over at the uh, Movie Man Podcast, I know this is not wrestling really related, but it can be, technically. Uh, there is the possibility that I will be on an upcoming episode of theirs, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, one of the discussions was, you know, what movies would we talk about? And I said to him, I said to them, well, would you feel cool with, you know, uh, like a like a wrestler kind of re- not, uh, related one? And first ones that came to mind are, okay, there's The Wrestler, there's Ready to Rumble... Uh, I even looked at a couple of the couple sites where they showed a lot of list of movie-related uh, wrestling deals, and honestly, there were a lot more than I thought it was. I know they did, recently did the Andy Kaufman one with Jim Carrey. I've not gotten a chance to see it yet, but it's on my list. Um, there are a couple of really classic ones where they talk about some of the things outside of the ring. Honestly, I had no idea that these even existed. I may just have to do like a month's worth... We might even just do that just for the kicks and giggles, since we're not going to be covering too much in the way of WWE, which, trust me, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll talk to you about the like, the final nail in the coffin, where it was like, I'm done with this. Um, but it's just amazing how you focus on one thing, and you miss out on a bigger picture. Like Obviously, like I said before, when you look at some of the wrestling movies, you, of course, think of The Wrestler, uh ready to rumble uh, honestly I forgot about Nacho Libre but then I w- looked at some of the clips I'm like oh my god <laughs> and then there's the cauliflower out the, I think it's something to do with the cauliflower alley cup there's one with like Luthez and I think Gotch and Hackenschmidt from like the 50s you know I think you're right I think I do remember that uh, but yeah honestly that might be something we might just do we might just have a little crossover of wrestling as well as movies put into this okay so uh, a couple things I definitely do want to touch base on. Uh, first, I'm actually going to save my uh, reasons for only covering stuff non-WWE related in just a bit. But first, we definitely do need to get this. I really wanted to get this off the uh, off the top off the top of the show, but at the same time, it's CM Punk. I know it's CM Punk. Uh, for those of you that don't know the news that broke earlier this week in regards to WrestleMania Radio, our very own Jeff Pomaccio is going to be leaving WrestleMania Radio, and the final edition of the Nacho Mama Soap Opera will be taking place this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, we here at the Game Changer Podcast, along with everybody at WrestleMania Radio, wish nothing but the best of Jeff. He has been, honestly, one of the coolest guys that I've gotten a chance to meet, that I've gotten a chance to talk to. And if you have not heard his, his podcast, definitely check it out. It's fifty. He'll be going. He'll be leaving on the fifty-six marker. I wish I could convince him to leave on like an even number because fifty-six is so odd for me. But at the same time, 
It's an even number. Okay, fair enough. I was hoping that it would be like when where there's a zero at the end or a five at the end. I'm I'm that kind of person to get Francis gave me that shrug of like, eh, what are you gonna do? Uh, so, like I said, definitely major shout out and lots of love, support, and every single best to our buddy Jeff. You do a tremendous job, and we can't thank you enough for your contributions to Wrestle Attic Radio. Absolutely, uh, uh, Jeff. Uh, thank you very much for for the. Oh, I almost said I almost said the the uh, wrong podcast name. My goodness, not your mama's soap opera. Uh, it's been thoroughly entertaining, you know, because you bring up the entertainment side and pro wrestling. I must admit, I've missed the past few, but I'm going to load up my phone and get caught up. Uh, you are you're a very down to earth, very kind man, and I appreciate everything that you bring to Wrestle Attic Radio. I look forward to the next content that that you create. But uh, those of us who listened, uh, you listen to the Kings of the Rings yet? Uh, I have not. All I know is that, as far as Kings of the Rings go, I know that they will be in Chicago this weekend for Survivor Series for Takeover. So if you guys want to, you know, enjoy some time with them. Well, obviously, by the time this goes out, Takeover has already been done. So hey, you get a chance to see them at Survivor Series. Hooray! You get to you get to see, you probably see Ricky go crazy, and Will probably go. I'm really tired. Because that's my impression of him whenever he's at a wrestling show. And I have two I have two events that could support that fact, okay? And I even have I have video evidence of him literally going, I'm tired during after takeover this past year in New York. Ah oh, man, but yeah, honestly, I have not heard the uh Kings of the Rings uh podcast announcement. What, what what was it per se? So that way people maybe have not listened to it or kind of clued in. Well, it's it's just uh, Ricky just says that you know uh, he's going to be that Jeff's going to be creating content outside of WrestleMania Radio. Okay, that's, nice. that, that's all. That's all I know. And I like uh, Jeff. Please keep in contact with us. So you have your you have our information. You have you have us on Twitter and some of us on Facebook. But uh, Jeff DFDC, buddy, I really want to see what you're going to do next. Uh, I'm going to miss your contributions to WrestleMania Radio. And well, with one door. Uh, closes another opens, and I look forward to who who fills that spot. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so I made the announcement uh, this week, and it is kind of funny because one of the first things that was commented on when I made this announcement was from our our very own Mister Slack. Fuck you, Slack. Oh, um, God, ba- no. where, where he basically asked the question. Well, how can you run this weekly if you're not going to include WWE context? So, let me explain basically what happened. So, over the last week, I've had this slew of just these comments that have been just bombarding stuff that I've been posting up. Uh, for a lot of people that probably know that on Facebook, I try to put like a nice little picture up on on, on like our social media deal, so that way you know people can maybe look in and be like, "Ooh, this is kind of nice, this is kind of deal." Um, the previous week when I was doing it. No, actually, two weeks ago when I was doing it solo. No, no, two weeks ago when we were doing it. I'm sorry, jeez, my weeks are all messed up. Um, a couple weeks ago, we I had the uh, the picture of the fan who had the sign that said, you know, AEW leaves no one behind, and there's that picture of the fl- the plane, obviously making reference to the Saudi Arabia deal. That was fine and dandy. So last week when I was doing the uh, solo one, I found this picture that I thought was hilarious, 
And this was something that apparently got me either heat or people were just pissed off about it. They went on these little tirades about it. It was just so stupid. It's a picture of... Um, it's a picture of, of, it says, like like in quotations, they have like four different pictures in here, and it kind of explains itself. It says, Baron Corbin is king of the ring. WWE is, is, is playing on Fox. Fox is owned by Disney. Therefore, King Corbin is a princess. And I, and, I, and, and I did it because I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. It was one of those things where I'm thinking, you know, this guy actually, this person who posted this, this photo was very creative, and I thought nothing of it. I thought it was like, fall, you know, just a little harmless deal. So I posted it up, and I'm thinking, okay, this is fine. Uh, I got the, the the notifications that there were some people that liked it. There were some people that were laughing. Uh, I had, like, one person that actually put down, like, an angry emoji on there, which I'm like, okay. Then this whole slew of just people going crazy about, oh, well... Disney doesn't own this Fox Network deal. They only own the studios. And, oh, Fox is not owned by Disney. And how can Barry Corbin be a princess? He's a king of the ring. It's just one of those situations where it was a harmless joke. People have been trashing Corbin for years. And, honestly, let's face it, Corbin, I think, is still owed some uh, kendo shots after his whole deal with the Armed Forces deal. Yeah, I'm, you forgot about that. He basically, uh, there there was this incident where uh, I think he either called out or he made fun of an armed force, uh, somebody in the, like the army or the navy or something like that, and that was why he lost the money in the bank contract the way that he did to Jinder Mahal, and that was when he also lost to Cena in the opening match of SummerSlam that year. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like you kind of made fun of one of our armed force members. Here's your punishment. And honestly, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, eh, Corbin probably still deserves a few licks, let's face it. Um, so that was kind of something I was just like, really, you're going to get overreactive about that? Not to mention uh, the person I mentioned last week who was basically going crazy because I made the comparison to the Cody Rhodes-MJF deal with the Baron Corbin-Roman Reigns uh, storyline, saying that AEW was doing great. And the guy was just saying, like, oh, you got to get off AEW's dick. This is not fair to compare these two and blah, blah, blah. It reached a point where I literally had my eyes open where it was like, this is a very toxic environment and WWE is just not really doing anything for me. And trust me, we're, we're still going to talk positively about stuff they've done in the past, but presently, it is such a toxic environment. And for people to just literally be doing these situations where they're either calling somebody out because they have an opinion or they're just trying to be funny or something like that, and just taking things way too seriously, it reached a point where I was like, I don't I don't enjoy this. I have better, you know, memories of going to independent shows and people embracing me for all this good stuff. And trust me, I'm going to give you guys more facts about that because this past weekend, I was on another ACW show. We'll talk about that a little later on. Um, but yeah, it reached that point where I was literally like, okay, I am officially not watching Raw anymore. I'm officially not watching SmackDown anymore. I will focus more on AEW as well as NXT and as well as the uh, indie shows that will be happening here in Wisconsin as well as maybe a couple of indie shows that happen here. Uh, honestly, if I get the chance, I might even try to get back into Impact 
So that's kind of where that kind of stems from. It was just the two final nails in the coffin were just feeling this toxic environment from people who probably don't know a creative storyline, even if it slapped them in the in their face or even slapped them on the back of their ass. It's just one of those situations where it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm literally just trying to have fun with this kind of stuff, and you decide to call me out like that. Or just, you know, kind of be, just showing that WWE definitely is more toxic than what it was before. And trust me, I will tell you this, that it's been a long time coming. I've been complaining about the product for so long. Now that I'm not watching it, I have no reason to complain. And honestly, feeling a little bit better. So that's that's kind of where I've gone from that. So that's kind of what you've been missing out over the last week. And I'm sorry that you had to hear it right here on the show to know that I'm not high on WWE anymore. I will still watch NXT when I get the chance. And I will still gladly show love and support to a lot of the people that work in NXT. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa, Daddy Ciampa. What more can I say than that? Uh, Matt Riddle, Killian Dane, Pete Dunne, uh, Damian Priest. A lot of these guys who are just still killing it in NXT, I will still give them the props. Yes, it's a WWE product, but it doesn't feel as toxic as Raw or SmackDown. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Uh, so I want to ask you this, Mr. Fretz. Does it surprise you the amount of toxic waste that is coming out of certain fans when it comes to people either just ha- having have poking a little fun or just staying an opinion? No, it's just people take things way way too seriously. I mean that I, I that Baron Corbin Disney Princess thing was hilarious, and like and it's you know it's fitting because I've been splurging on Disney Plus for the past week. Holy crap, DuckTale. I, I, I can go on. And I gave I gave my uh, name and password. I'm sharing it with uh, my brother and my niece and my nephew. Uh, my brother said that, you know, he's been watching it and uh, my niece, uh, like, as soon as I went, I went to their house, uh, like, when I got home last Friday because it was uh, my nephew's birthday. So I, my mom and I went over and we got that and I immediately when I got home I set up Disney Plus gave it to them Abby started watching my niece Abby just started watching things on the iPad but anyway the toxicity like wrestling fans I'm, I'm, I'm like a small portion of them are just like any other fans or god I hate this fucking term stands of insert product celebrity wrestling company sports team here it's it's absolutely ridiculous and i'm sorry you had to go go through that i i, I watched everything and like I, i'm not one to go like how dare you on like on a social platform actually like, I, I you have my back all the time bro like you like please know that and i'm just i'm heartbroken to see that and I don't blame you for not for not watching. Quite frankly, I forget what happened on Monday night. I forget what happened Wednesday on NXT. I mean, we're recording on a Friday night. Uh, it's just people like social media itself, and I'm not just talking about stands and fans of certain thing. It's just period. I mean, I'm not going to get political here, but uh, do you know who Don Cherry is? I've heard the name before. But I don't think okay. I'm too 100 familiar with it. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, he 
is a hockey personality up here in Canada. Okay. Hockey, hockey Night in Canada, Coach's Corner. Way back in the day, in like the 70s, he was a coach of the Boston Bruins. And then he became an on-air personality on Sportsnet and CBC and Hockey Night in Canada. A Saturday night staple. About 7.30, 7.45, uh, it's like shut up because Don Cherry's on. And he's a very outspoken, loud, uh, some would say xenophobic uh, person. And he was fired a couple weeks ago. Really? On, for saying, so I'm not going to repeat what he said on air, but he didn't, he, well, thing, the thing is, he didn't say anything outrightly offensive, but people kind of read between the lines and kind of thought he was talking about something. I'll tell you off air. Um, sure. and, and, like, and, and people got toxic about this. It's like, how dare you fire Don Cherry? Oh, he didn't say anything bad. He didn't single this this thing out. Uh, you're a snowflake. Uh, you're a pussy. And then this dates back. I mean, this all this online toxicity dates back to the fucking 2016 election. Like, and and up here we just had our elections up here, and Trudeau just got reelected, much to the chagrin of. Most of the country, and 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 now it's just like, oh, you're a racist for supporting Justin Trudeau because he did something back in the day that he apologized for. Going on, I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead, but it's just online. It, it I I fucking hate Facebook, <laughs> Twitter. I, I don't get it much on Twitter. I just go block, unfollow, block, unfollow. I don't want to see this. I don't care. Twitter is my place to talk about wrestling and hockey. And when people are actively making it worse for other people or being like, subtweeting. Fucking hate subtweeting. Like, oh, I'm going to screenshot this guy because he's an idiot. Oh, look at this idiot. Like, someone someone did that to me and I'm just like, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave you alone and just not say anything. But And, and even then, if you're silent, it's just like, oh, well, they don't have much to say because they know I'm right. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heads, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was, I was going to say yeah. Yeah. The reason why we're not talking about the whole Jim Cornette deal with NWA Power is because we think he's right. No. No. We just don't want to touch that. We really do not. Gonna go, I, I was going to bring it up because it it draws parallels to, to the Don Cherry. Exactly. Thing. I thought the same but, thing. Yeah, Jim Cornette. But Jim Cornette says something outright offensive and terrible. He deserves to get fired for that. Uh, well, I'll say so to Don Cherry, but that's that's besides the point. But it's I, I hate, dude. I I hate social media. I mean, it's just it's a it's a cesspool, and and they, uh, I know it, it's why like cyberbullying is always it's it's always brought up in schools now. It's it's a thing. It, oh. It's it is a travesty to see that, and. I, I hate that too. So you know what? I think we should just end with the negatives right here. We're going to take a little break, you guys. When we come back, we will talk more positive things. Honestly, you know, ACW had a show this past week at Tanner's, which had some huge implications going into their sixth anniversary show. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we also got to talk about the major feels when we talk about Survivor Series. Talk AEW. We're going to talk about some really good stuff, guys. This has only been like sort of the negative parts of the uh, Game Changer podcast. Hopefully you'll bear with us. But when we come back, we promise we will try to be more positive. So stay tuned. We will be right back. 
What is up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is King Ricky Rose, your co-general manager of Wrestle Addict Radio and your host of Kings of the Rings podcast. And if you enjoy what you listen to each and every week here on Wrestle Addict Radio, we invite you to enjoy even more content from us on our exclusive Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, that's right, $5 a month, you get bonus content and commentary from each and every show here on WrestleAddict Radio. That means bonus content from the Kings of the Rings podcast, from Not Your Mama Soap Opera, from 4 4 WrestleCast, from The Gift of Podcast, and from the Game Changer WrestleCast. So for $5 a month, go to patreon.com backslash WrestleAddict Radio, sign up, you get exclusive content, exclusive access to us pretty much 24-7, and exclusive shows that can only be found and are exclusive to Patreon. So again, folks, patreon.com backslash WrestleAddict Radio, $5 a month, all the content that you could ever want in wrestling. Enjoy. What up, fam? It's your boy, JC Bones, the host of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, and you are making a change because you're listening to the Game Changer podcast only on WrestleAddict Radio. You know, it's a nice, soothing song. Let's face it, Mr. Fretz. You may think that even though you're gone for one week, more crazy stuff happens and more stuff just happens. But you have to realize that some of these things were not good things to happen. So it's probably better that you do stay on the show. I'm just saying that right now. Yeah, it's like I was, we were talking, I was joking off air that in the time that since I've been gone, since I've been gone... I can feel for... I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> since I've been gone, um, Don Cherry gets fired from Sportsnet, Jim Cornette gets fired from NWA, my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs go on a six-game losing streak and fire coach Mike Babcock, hiring their minor league coach, Sheldon Keefe, which did the trick because they kicked Arizona's ass last night. Um, and they actually looked like a team that wanted to play. Um, oh, and... And it's going to become a full circle moment a little later when we review the retro. Yep, that is true. But my, ne- my, my nephew turned five last week. Unfortunately, my present for him didn't arrive on his birthday. It's oh. sitting on my coffee table waiting for him. But I didn't. I don't. When that happens, Uncle Jamie does not come empty-handed. So to tide him over, he got some Pokemon cards. Uncle Jamie, why aren't these EXs and GXs? <laughs> oh my gosh five. He turned Come five on. and he loves Pokemon So the, the new Pokemon game uh, Pokemon Shield is waiting for him on the coffee table uh, I've been playing the crap out of Pokemon Sword I was really tempted to Sit here from my comfy chair and my microphone And play some of the game while I'm talking to Nate But you know I'd be too distracted I'm not like Will Who can sit there and play King, uh, Kingdom Hearts While doing the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen the video, I've seen your video content Kings of the Rings. I know what's going on. <laughs> you, you know, it's really crazy because um, earlier when I was w- working with them, he he didn't really do anything. So it was kind of one of those few times where it's like every other time he'll probably play Kingdom of Hearts, but now that he had a guest over, he was like, okay, I probably need to take myself seriously for a minute. <laughs> now he'll, he'll, just, he'll, he'll socialize for a minute, and then while you're talking to his parents, he'll go and play Red Dead. Okay, that's fair. 
That is fair. So I want, we, we, I want that game for Christmas. So <laughs> bring it on. Uh, so I definitely need to do a shout out, guys. We are the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Nate the Effing Great. This is Mr. Fretz. A little late for that, but whatever. It's my show. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. Uh, shout outs to the guys over at the WrestleOtic Radio. Uh, of course, us at the Game Changer Podcast, the Kings of the Rings, the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, the Gifted Podcast, and of course. Even though it's the final episode, we'll still do a shout-out to him. Nacho Mama Soap Opera Podcast. All right, guys. So, ACW took place this past week, and what a show it was. It definitely featured a lot of great moments and a lot of great, uh, actually, new up-and-comers. And I'll tell you, one of them was literally having his first match. But when you watch this matchup, you literally couldn't tell. It looks like he was wrestling on 205 Live, for goodness sake. But I'll just do like a quick deal, quick thing for the card. Uh, Water City title was on the line. Dakota Jacobs cashing in his all-star trophy. But in the end, Adam Grace picked up the victory. Uh, one thing that was actually funny was that we had a joking conversation at the start of the show. Uh, Grace and I were just talking like, oh, dude, you got the open challenge tonight. And he's like, yeah, who do you think it's going to be? I said, it's probably going to be Dakota Jacobs. He's got that you know trophy. He's like, yeah, he's got like one month left on it. I'm like, yeah, that's why it makes sense for tonight. So it was kind of one of those things where I think he was playing to the character. He probably knew who he was fighting that night, but it's still one of those things where Adam Grace, he's so talented and very gifted as an athlete. I'm very looking forward to seeing what they do with him in the future. That was a great matchup. Uh, we had one of the graduates from the ACW show. Uh, not the ACW show, the ACW training camp. There we go. Uh Craig Covenant taking on Raging Nathan Gust in what was a really good matchup. Gust picked up the victory. And I will say this, probably one of the most random chants I have ever started, but it was the greatest thing I could ever remember because Gust looked directly at me. He's just pointing at me like, yes, because during the matchup, Gus is doing this deal where he's acting like he's a zombie. He's all pale, white-faced, and he's just biting Craig as much as he can. Uh, there came a point, I think it was either to his arm or to his shoulder. Might have even been his back. Either way, um, I was like, do you ever see that um, <laughs> that that video of the guy that continues to chant Super Dragon? <laughs> Botchamania classic, bro, of uh, course. That was literally me during, uh, during that deal because all I was going was, Tastes like chicken. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. <laughs> I'm the only one doing it, and people are just clapping along like, okay. <laughs> just, just just Gus is looking at me. He's just pointing at me. And it's like, dude, that, that better be a t-shirt. If, I don't even want the royalties to it. I just really would love to see a Raging Nathan Gust deal where maybe it's even like uh, like a quick trip chicken deal where, he j- where it just looks like it's the quick trip uh, chicken meal that they have there. It just says tastes like chicken, but it's replaced with something. It's it's an I American. Don't know. American chain. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, it is. I remember it was Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. So, it's a, it's something very popular here. Great references. Uh, only I'll, here I'll, I'm, I'm going there someday. I'll know. That Get some of that famous Wisconsin cheese. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Miles Mason took on Jay Cash. Uh, Jay Cash picked up a nice victory there, and it's not going to be the last time that we see Jay Cash and Big Cat Chris Bowinger of the Players Club. They'll be showing up later on. Uh, nice tag team matchup between Aaron Arsenal and Aesop Mitchell taking on Willie Wild of Ra- Wild and Randy, as well as Stacy Shadows, who I have often said is 
just absolutely great. And actually, it was cr- crazy. Uh, after the matchup was over, she went. She went. She. Uh, I went up to her and I said, "Great, great job." And she said, "Match wasn't too horrible." I was like, "Horrible? What are you talking about? It was awesome. It just was. It was great to see that." So I think that there's some wrestlers that don't give themselves enough credit, but they do a fantastic job. And Stacy Shadows, being the only woman in that entire roster. She has a lot to make up for, and she does that fantastically well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Stacey Shadows does in the future. I hope she gets a title shot soon. I really do, because she definitely deserves it. Um, we had Nick Colucci against Steve Sawyer, which Colucci picked up the victory with the, I'm just going to call it the Colucci driver. During this matchup, we finally get the answers, and I did tag you in that video as to why Swaggle screwed Colucci. And his reasons? Because the same thing that... Nick, that Logan Lynch said, because you're old, you're washed up, you're past your prime, you just, you just don't got it in you anymore. And when he said friend, Kaluchi was like, well, that's it. He goes right after Swaggle. Uh, they even made the announcement on their Facebook fan page that uh, Kaluchi and Swaggle will unfortunately not be fighting off against each other. I'm a little pissed off about that, but... I think they're saving it up for maybe, who knows, maybe it's for next year's uh, uh, wrestling con, for all we know. But in their place, they have uh, two matches in which they will be picked your poison. Uh, Kaluchi has already picked Swaggle's poison, and it is the innovator of violence, the hardcore legend, the heart and soul of ECW. For the first time ever, we'll see Swaggle one-on-one ECW against the one and only innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. Oh my lord! I was hoping it was gonna be like, like pick your poison, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, man! I, I, I literally want to see that now. I do want to see Swaggle versus Finley at this point. Oh man, I, I, I hope Finley is not at the point where he's like completely retired. That would just suck. Because I still would want to see that. Um, what was it? What was it? He was a, he's an agent with WWE. That's right, that's right. Um, next matchup here was Salem Crane, my arch nemesis, against XTC. Let me repeat that again. XTC. Yes, I thought your villain was MGF. This guy was not an MGF, I will tell you that right now. We will talk about MGF a little later on during the show. What's actually crazy was that Salem Crane was just about to come up to me and do his whole jacket spiel where he's like, oh, I'm going to win, you're going to put the jacket on me, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, just as Crane was about to get to me, Gus goes right at him. He got, he cuts him off, just looks him right dead in the face, and there's even a point where Gus just sits with the fans in the front row, just cheering people on. And XTC, my God, this is a guy who literally was just absolutely amazing. He was flying all over the place, he had some very nice fluent moves, Definitely felt like he could be like on 205 Live or in the X Division in Impact Wrestling. He did a fantastic job. Unfortunately, though, his victory would not happen here. Uh, as Salem Crane would hit his uh, double underhook DDT from the top rope. Oh my God, was that was that a nice spot? And Salem Crane would pick up the victory. Gus would go chasing after Salem Crane. Crane would grab his jacket, run around the ring, and be chased by Gus. So. There is obviously some unresolved issue between the two of them uh, ever since the last night of TJ, which was honestly 
a very emotional night, but it was also one of the best nights for me because literally seeing Gust and uh, Crane fight, battle against each other and seeing Salem Crane just yell at my buddy Max, just saying, like, F your chair. He just kicks the chair away from him. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, man. I Literally, I'm looking forward to seeing what Salem Crane and Nathan Gust have in mind for the future. Or, you know, honestly, oh, jeez. Like I said, I really would love to see a death match. And there was even a point where Gust and I were talking, and he just... <laughs> And, he did, and, they, and they, we talked about the rivalry, and, and Gus is just like, "Yeah, we'll light him on fire." <laughs> just what the hell? oh, playing WWE thirteen, oh, are we? It feels like it, but you know something? That's that's Gus. He's amazing. Um, we had Famous Trash defeating the team of Blake and Trey. Honestly, they looked like the Mean Street Posse's, but with like blue sweaters, which was absolutely crazy. Um, and during this matchup, we actually had the announcement that the Players Club, who have not gotten their rightful rematch for the tag team titles, are going to get their tag team title shot at uh, the 6th anniversary show. And then the final matchup, we see uh, Logan Lynch defending his ACW heavyweight title against Peter Schwanz, Pornstash, and TW3. Honestly, this was a great matchup between these three. I did not expect anything less from these guys. Uh, there's a point where um, TW3 has... Peter Schwanz in a gory special, and he also has Logan Lynch in this Boston Crab deal. It was awesome. It was one of those moments where I'm like, this is why I love rest- these wrestling shows, because you don't get to see this kind of stuff on like network TV all the time. Uh, Peter Schwanz just tried everything that he could to win this matchup. He hit his uh, his six star, like a six star frog splash, I think it's called. Um, but Logan, but here's what here's something that's really crazy. They literally did the exact same thing that was the that was the WWE title match at um, WrestleMania 24 between Triple H, Cena, and Orton, where you know oh. Triple H hits the pedigree, looks like he's gonna pin John Orton with the boot, and Orton covers Cena. That is literally that, except uh, Pornstash hits the splash on TW3, he goes for the cover. Logan Lynch with that brutal knee to the head. Logan pins T-Dub 3 for the victory, which tells me that there's a possibility that we're going to see Pornstash versus Logan Lynch in the future. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I would love to see these guys go at it one-on-one. be great. It will not happen at the 6th anniversary show because Logan Lynch, he grabs his belt. He talks about, oh, I'm the, I'm the two... No, 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 he doesn't sound like Triple H. He said, I'm the two-time ACW heavyweight champion. And he's basically talking about he's the best, and that last year he retired somebody whose signature move was a spear. This time around, he wanted to take on somebody who also specializes in the spear, and he wanted to challenge the final ECW champion, the true final ECW champion, even though it should have been Christian, to be fair. Uh, he wanted Rhino. So it is official. Rhino, he is. He is. Yeah. So it is official. It will indeed be the War Machine Rhino versus Logan Lynch at the 6th anniversary show for the ACW Heavyweight title. This was a great show. Everything was just absolutely phenomenal. And honestly, you guys, this just gets me more and more psyched for doing commentary for that show. I talked to uh, Josh Weimer, one of the, like the commissioner, one of the heads of the deal, and I, I, I asked, and he said, he literally said to me, he's like, so you up for doing, still up for doing commentary next month? I'm like, yeah. Am I going to be doing like one match? Am I going to, and everything's and he said, Well, what do you want to do? He said, I'd love to call the whole show. He's like, You got it. And 
There's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing. So ACW put on a fantastic show. It was great. Independent wrestling is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's just beautiful. Um, also, I do want to talk about another beautiful thing. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see the uh, Sting versus Rollins Untold special that WWE just launched? No. Okay. Well, you tell. I I will be more than happy to tell you about this before we get uh, too deep into talking about you know AEW and Survivor Series. Trust me. We're going to be talking about Survivor Series, and the Wayback Machine set looks to be very promising. And, oh boy, how did... This was actually really... It was a really good show. But, um, the Sting and Rollins untold story uh, talked basically up to the point where a lot of people had a lot of questions about the whole, you know, Rollins and Sting deal. What happened there? Did this all kind of... What, what really kind of went down with this? So, they, of course, kick it off with Rollins talking about, you know, the kind of impact that Sting had on him growing up, how he couldn't really remember what year it was, whether he was four, five, or six, but he just remembered seeing Sting, you know, you know, with his brightly colored face paint, the bleach blonde hair, him coming out and just being an absolutely phenomenal athlete. And then when he was a teenager, he had somebody who he could relate to in Crow Sting. Honestly, can't really say that I blame him. It was one of those gimmicks that really worked over, and a lot of people really loved it. And even to this day, people still love the crow, the crow face face of Sting. Fast forward a bit, Survivor Series 2014, which I watched bits and pieces of it before we even went on the air. And honestly, it's still one of those events that holds up even to this day. I mean, you had everything. You had the comedic style of Damian Mizdow and the Miz winning the tag team titles. That was just great. Uh, we had... The, we had a match between Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt that ended in a DQ, but that was to set up their TLC match a month later, which honestly, looking back at it, I think to myself, wow, I may have criticized the ending there, but at the same time, it's better than a lot of things that have happened nowadays. And at least it didn't involve, you know, Dean getting a uh, an injection in his butt. Anyway, um, another matchup on here that still shocks me to this day was the match between AJ Lee and Nikki Bella. Uh I still hated the way that they booked this because of how that the whole deal with, you know, Nikki and Brie were feuding against each other and then that whole deal where died in the womb just Oh, uh, that's that was that was bad. But was 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 that the same I'm sorry, was that the same one where Paige talked about Reed Flair like no, two no, weeks no, after no, he no, died? No 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 thankfully sorry. That, that sorry. I think that I think that was a year I think that was a year later. So Still, it's like Survivor Series has some great build-ups, but has that one storyline that has a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. And this was the start of that. Um, but just that moment where AJ Lee and Nikki, they're ready to go. Bree's got the title on her shoulder. She's up on the apron. And we just see probably the most, honestly, one of the most bizarre things that I thought I'd ever see. And I remember this moment because I was literally just... As soon as this even happened, like for about maybe four minutes, I was just frozen in like shock. Like, did this really happen? Uh, Brie kissed AJ. Not a peck on the cheek, but a literal full-on lip lock between the two of them. And this allowed Nikki to hit the elbow, hit the rack attack, the original one, the one where she has the person upside down and did that deal. Um, before, you know, she had neck problems. 
Uh, but then she beat AJ Lee for that, and then it was all like, oh, it's a big ploy that Brie and Nikki were in all along. It's like, with the build-up to that storyline, you don't think that that would happen. Had, looking back at it, had she not said, you know, died in the womb, or maybe like, you know, I wish you weren't my sister, or I wish something else, had she not said that phrase, then maybe I could have believed that this was a setup. But just that phrase there, it's like, how do you forgive somebody that easily for that kind of deal? It's really weird. And then we, of course, had one of the best Survivor Series matches in recent his- in recent memory. That being Team Authority, Team Cena, where Dolph Ziggler has the performance of his career, bar none. Three to one, literally, sh- it was literally a deal where it was like ten years after Shawn Michaels put on the exact same performance, except with a different outcome this time. Uh... He beats Kane, he beats Harper, looks like he's about to beat Rollins, but Triple H is saying, no, not going to lose power, no, I'm going to beat up a referee, pedigree to Ziggler. We see, (coughs) excuse me, see, hey, Scott Armstrong, damn it, here comes Scott, about to count, one of the slowest counts I've ever seen, just one, two, crow sound. Everybody just looks up, people are just looking... They're freaking out. They're going crazy. And then out comes the icon, Sting. Whew. That was just beautiful. And even watching it about five years later, it's still one of the best things ever. Sting helps Ziggler picks up the victory. And we get just, oh, it was beautiful. It was great. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, they fast forward to WrestleMania 31. Oh, hey. Yeah, <laughs> literally in my notes it says WrestleMania 31, dot, 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 dot. That was a thing. We're not going to relive that. But it does get some like great like backstage deals. Um, there's one where literally Arnold Schwarzenegger, he actually shakes uh, Sting's hand. He says, great match out there. And Sting literally looks at the camera. He's like, hope you got that on video. <laughs> Just one of those moments where I'm like, you know what? I approve of this. He got credit from the governor of California. That's that's awesome. That is totally awesome. Uh, they showcased the whole Seth Rollins cashing in deal. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Rollins made this comment where it was like, you know, he wanted to show that you know there was no bad blood between this, guy, no bad blood involved here. I'm literally like, no bad blood. They practically made it WWE versus WCW again for no reason. Ugh, that pissed me off. It still pisses me off to this day. Uh, they fast forward again to the, the one of the best Raw moments of all time, the statue reveal moment, where they're thinking, here comes the statue revealing of Seth Rollins. Pull it up. It's Sting. Still one of those moments where I'm like, oh my god. That Sting. That is Sting. That was beautiful. Oh, it's just, just beautiful. The sting. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm pointing a, a baby carrot on the screen pretending it's the bat. Uh, uh, oh, I, I thought it was a hot dog. I, I, I thought it was. I thought no, you were going to call it like a wiener. No, no, no. And I wasn't pointing something else at you too. So okay. no, no, no. I, I figured that. I figured that. So we were going to go that vulgar. No, I, I, I was um, trying to be like, oh wait, this is an audio podcast, and I have press for court because <laughs> I'm not putting the, the video version of this up on Patreon this month. Ay, long day. Yeah, not real. Um, it was a great moment, and then we get to. The United Champions event. They first talk about, you know, the Cena and Rollins deal. 
basically stating the fact that Cena had improved since then. And honestly, I agree. I think the U.S. Uh, Open Challenge definitely showcased the fact that Cena definitely wanted to show that he was not just the guy who did the five moves of doom. That he six. definitely has more arsenal, or six at this point. Um, where he definitely, you know, put more, you know, he's got more bullets into his uh, gun, and it was one of those things like, yeah, no, he, he definitely improved. Uh, then we move on to the Seth Rollins and Sting matchup. So, here's basically from what I gathered from this. Uh, started off, everything was fine. First buckle bomb, uh, Sting, he hits the he hits that corner, and one thing that they mentioned was one thing he mentioned was that it felt like a shock was just going through uh, both both of his arms, and he mentions the referee he couldn't feel his fingertips. Uh, there's even a, a shot where it shows this bruise on his uh, right arm, right above where, uh, right where the like like kind of where the shoulder would be, kind of shows this bruise there, and I'm just kind of like ooh. Is that possible nerve damage? Um, at this point, we see Sting. You know, continue. He's just starting to you know get the feeling back in his body. He's feeling good. He's like, okay, I can do this. I'm ready to go. So he's giving it everything. He's doing like the dives. He's doing his scorpion deals. He's doing all this kind of stuff. We get the second uh, buckle bomb, and Sting says that he felt like the power went out of his legs. And you definitely saw that during the entire deal. Where, you know, Sting was trying to do, like, the duck. He's just slowly collapsing. Uh, you just see him trying so hard. The re- trainers and referees. Uh, I, the, one of the, re- the referee that was for the matchup, he was getting people, like, asking 20 questions. He's like, you know, Sting, all right, what's going on with Sting? What's going on with Sting? Sting? Finally, he was able to get a chance to actually talk and be like, no, Sting is not all right. And it was one of those moments that is really scary to kind of see that. Uh, we definitely do see Rollins being very hard on himself during this, during talking about this. And I, I can't blame the guy. It did see, feel like he was, you know, at fault for this. But later on, we actually hear from Sting that that's not the case. Um, Rollins had a hard time continuing to be, you know, his character he was trying to be, you know, professional, but he was also concerned for a guy that he idolized as a kid, Sting. He really was concerned that maybe he's going to be, that maybe he was going to be hurt. Um, but Sting wanted to finish the matchup, and that bruise that was on his arm, it looked a lot worse when the matchup was over, so that concerned me too. I'm like, oh God, that might be nerve damage, because I don't know if people remember last year when they had that, you know, DX versus Brother of Destruction deal, and Triple H tore off his uh, his muscle his muscle in his arm, and he had that like giant bruise on there. It kind of almost reminded yeah the ten. He kind of reminded me of that, but on the back of Sting's arm. So it was kind of one of those things where it got really graphic, and it was kind of one of those things where I was really I was really scared about that. Um, he walked out on his own. He was able to get to the back, and he remembers uh, just saying to people, you know, just give me space. I'll be fine. It's going to be all right. Um, and then Triple H actually went up to him and he said, you got to go. You, you have to go in. So for those of you that are curious about how Triple H feels about his stars, that's a testament to how much he cares about them. Um, 
there was a moment where Sting was getting you know put on the gurney. He's getting put in the ambulance. Rollins is just freaking out. He's just. I, I think Sting actually did like a really pretty good impression where he was just like, "Yo, Sting, 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 are you okay? Sting, Sting, I remember dressing up for you for you as Halloween." He's freaking out, and Sting is just trying his best to reassure him, saying, "Saying I'm all right. It, it's fine." Um, he mentions. I think that there was a. I'm trying to remember what, remember what it was, but I think it was a situation where where the cord was more um, was more stiff than it was loose in his spine. So it was kind of, it was kind of one of those things where uh, it was eventually. I think it was just eventually bound to happen. Uh, I think that people definitely could probably state that you know Seth Rollins' buckle bomb deal definitely was like the eye opener, kind of the moment where I was like, okay, this needs to. Either because there was a moment where he's, I think they said where doctor said you know you were, you were this close to be to being, to being done, to the point where it was a possibility that he could have been either you know paralyzed from the from the neck down, or he probably could have even died. It was to that point, so that's where it gets to be really tough. Um, they fast forward to the Hall of Fame speech. Still one of those things where. It tugs on the heartstrings. I think that at this point, I was just literally starting to just tear up and cry because it was just beautiful hearing Sting talk about these things. Um, and the one thing I will say is that he retired on his terms. That was the one. That is the one thing that is really good to hear. Is that you know he didn't have like a cruelly injury. It was kind of. I think it was kind of like the way Edge retired, where it was like you know where he could say. I want to retire, not end up retiring, you know, with paralysis or something like that. So, really cool to see that. And at the end of it, uh, it seems like Sting still has hopes that we have either a match or just a moment with Sting and The Undertaker, which I still would be totally fine with. Am I, am I, am I fine with a match with the two of them? Not really, but just that moment of the two of them, maybe they have like a surrogate for each other, or maybe it's a surrogate for, maybe, maybe it's Sting's been known for, you know, really trying to help the younger talent. He basically tries to push them along. He just builds them up like that. So maybe it's one of those situations. Um, but yeah, just that moment where we could see, you know, Sting and Undertaker in the same ring at the same time. I think that's worth it all. The bat versus the throat thrust. Yes. Just, just give us that. And just, just, just that. That's it. That's the visual Sting, range. Sting, uh, you know, I think Sting actually wrestled Mark Calloway in WCW, but it's not Sting versus the Undertaker. I'm just being a smartass. So, sure. yeah, because you know, we all know that mean Mark Callis. Uh, yeah, he. I think he was in WCW for about a year before. So there's, they had to have wrestled. But any, anyways, it's. I am going to check this out. Like, I, I have seen this on, like, the on the scroll through the network. Like, I've, I think the last thing I watched that was, you know, original content was the ride-along with uh, KO, Mustafa Ali, and um, Team Bestie. Hmm. It, was, it was really good. Man. Yeah. I, I, I still got to watch some, some of this stuff. Uh, I know, like, what, what was that one show called? Uh, the Bump or something like that? I've heard something mm. on it, so might might get a chance to watch that. But, um, yeah, so honestly, if you guys get a chance, definitely check out 
Uh, Rollins versus Sting Untold. It's definitely worth watching. And it definitely does give you kind of a perspective of the deal between Sting and Rollins. Uh, yeah, no, like I said, it was great. Uh, quick little deal here. We'll talk about AEW. Um, they have the big show in Chicago coming up, which I will not be a part of. I will be here with my family celebrating Thanksgiving. And it's the first time in a while that I've actually gotten the chance to sit down and actually have Thanksgiving with them. So I really want to enjoy that. And a quick little recap of, like, AEW. Uh, Phoenix defeated uh, Davia Jackson, one of the the young bucks, in what was a... One of the young... uh, I I have it right here, bro. Was it it Nick Uh, Jackson or was it... Nick. Okay, good. It was Nick Jackson. I I was was scared that they... Uh, now, is this going to be a match of the year candidate? We'll decide that next week, you guys, because we do have our uh, Gaming Awards coming up, so maybe this will be on the list. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Hikaru Shida defeating Britt Baker in what was a great matchup between the two of them. Uh, Britt Baker suffered a bit of a nose injury during that matchup, which I thought was just... That was just, that was just a crazy shot. But Shida hitting those knees... As many times as she did, she does remind me of like a female version of Shinsuke Nakamura, and it's really awesome to see that. Uh, the diamond, the dynamite dozen battle royal. This was up. Oh, I'm getting the the one. Oh, you, did you see that? Uh, I, I didn't watch all of AEW, but I did manage to see. Did you see that Dark Order recruitment video? Oh my gosh! How could I forget so that? I, I'm, I'm watching this. And I'm like. Is this a new character? Like, what the hell is happening? So you see this uh, heavy, this uh, heavier fellow. Uh, of course, you know the classic. Oh, heavy guy with the glasses. Oh, you're you're looking at one right here, by the way. Um, uh, bumps into people in the subway, and oh, oh, I'm sorry, not sorry. Runs into him, stomps on their glasses. Uh, these are seven hundred dollar glasses. So if you're gonna stomp on them, you better pay me the fuck up. These are new. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't wear them half my life already, my God. Uh, so it's like a guy, disrespected guy on the subway platform, and you see this dude just talk about, like, just doing a whole Tony Robbins thing just without the, the bad theology. It says, it's like, does your life suck? Something, something. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sitting there, and I'm like, go on. And I was expecting, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, and I'm not going to pocket, I I work with, uh, well, I don't work with him, he's a, what, our cleaning company at our, at our store are all, um, I don't know if they're, which one they are, Mormons or J-Dub, I forget which one they are, but it's, (laughs) yeah, he's a a good guy, I I love that guy, Um, I was expecting something like that, or something like, and then you get like Pat Robertson at me and be like, please send your money for a prayer bead to uh, uh, at the hour of power. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm getting into more theological talk than when I reviewed Dogma on the 20 Bell Salute this week. Listen yes. to that. Mm. Oh my gosh. So, That's awesome. It's a, it's a guy just like, does your life suck ass? Join the Dark Order. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's right out of those cheesy, you know, reli- religious propaganda videos or those um, recruitment videos for, like, The Simpsons. And it's just like, hey, would you like to join us on our native planet, Blastonia, the leader? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like mm, the leader, huh? It's like, 
no, 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 leader. We're going to join the Movementarians. It's like, and excuse this reporter while I laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, I've just been in the hand of something. Thank you, great leader of the Movementarians. We <laughs> love you. And new CEO of KBBL Broadcasting. Oh, just God. great. It was so, it was so bad, but it was, oh, it was so good. Now I'm like, okay, you're trying to make the Dark Order interesting. Finally. Right. I, I will say this, that it definitely did have some feels like what uh, WWE's doing with the Firefly Funhouse only. The fact is that Firefly Funhouse is definitely more creepy, more entertaining, and definitely does, it does last for quite a while. For that one, I, I remember watching it, but it was just kind of one of those things like, eh, it, we'll, see, we'll see what else happens. It's only the first episode of it, so... We'll see as time goes on. We'll see about that, you know, that one eight hundred number, or just the hashtag uh, followed like a uh, join dark order. I think it is, or something like that. I want, I, I want an eight hundred number that actually works. Like there was a, do, do you watch Rick and Morty? Um, I have not gotten a chance to, but it is on my list. So by all means, throw in the reference. Okay. So season four began this week, and there there was a bit where um, there's there's this alien that's at. I don't know if he's a slave or he's just something something to do with Rick, but he's got "Don't develop my app" written on his forehead. It's like, would you like to develop an app? It's like, and Rick's like, shut up, no, don't ask him. So Jerry, of course, Jerry asks him, and they develop this. App. You have to see it. It's right. Yeah, and it, it, it just it just reminded me of that too. I, I forgot what my train of thought was already. I need another beer. <laughs> so, so, so about a hundred, eight hundred number, I think it was. But oh yeah, so there's like the the address or the app that they did on the show. I think it was called a Love Finders, but it was like spe- spelled with a love and with a two R's and two Z's. I think it was weird, yeah. but it was an actual URL that led to a website that just every time we refresh it, it's just a. Like a random Rick and Morty quote, like "Summer, we got up like, we all got pink eye because you wouldn't stop texting on the toilet or something like that." Oh, that's awesome! You <laughs> have to watch it. Yes, I, I will definitely make that a priority. Uh, I think I'll have to watch that after I watch the uh, Masters of the Multiverse, which I'm going to get that done before before the uh, year's over. Uh, along with watching, let's watch reading up Swaggle's book because I definitely do want that to be. A thing where you know I could sit down, talk to Swoggle, and definitely re- do references in the book. Um, but back back to the uh, Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, uh, very good Battle Royal. In all honesty, uh, we had Billy Gunn in this matchup, and there was a situation where Sunny Kiss and Billy Gunn were just basically showing off their asses. <laughs> it was it was great, but MJF ruined the whole entire thing. And oh my gosh, I try I try I try to remember who. Who this was? Um, there, there came a point where uh, MGF eliminated somebody. It might have been uh, Orange Kip- Cassidy. It was Orange Cassidy. Thank you. Um, that that was great. He eliminates Orange Cassidy, and we see really good turned MGF around, and he's just like that's twice. I'm just like, oh god, MGF, please strike out three times. I want to see what really good does to you. And sure enough, MGF just gets in his face. Boom, famous sir. Uh, Billy Gunn would eventually get eliminated. Uh, and the final two would be Adam Page and MJF. In honesty, 
I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think it's going to be awesome. Two of them will be battling in Chicago next week for the, I think it was the, uh, the Dynamite Dozen, uh, the, the, I think it was like the Dynamite Diamond Ring or something like that. I'm trying to remember what it was exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just, uh, just a prop. I'm just like, I want AEW to get the, the mid-card title, like the TV title, because your, your mid-card title, uh, this is, I'm probably quoting a lot of our podcasts here, but it's like, that's the perfect up-and-coming heel title. Like, if you look at some of the holders that eventually, you know, moved up or are about to move up, like, um, let's see, you see, like, who is the great, who is the greatest heel Intercontinental Champion ever? Honky Tonk Man. He had it for 14 months. Uh, who else we got? Like, Makamura right now. Have you seen the redesigned Intercontinental title, by the way? I did see that. tonight? Uh-huh. It, I don't know what to think. It looks too much like the NXT title. It looks a little bit like the old school, uh, the Winged Eagle. Like, oh. pre, pre-Attitude Era Winged Eagle. I, I don't know what to I think can, I can it. see it I, now. Yeah. But it's, it's a, MJF is that perfect upper mid-card heel. I, I think he is going to be an AEW champion. Um, I'm going to say it. This time next year, he's going to be a champion of some kind. You know what? In AEW. You know what? I, I definitely will not bet against that. I do agree with that. Uh, let's see here. Gotta, just got to move on quick so that way we can continue on. Uh, another great Jericho segment where he basically tries to apologize, but just him just saying, like, I'm sincerely sis and then he has Jake Hager basically say sorry for him. So throughout the deal, he says, "Well, I'm really sincerely sorry for th- for the fact that this is not going to happen in here. It's going to happen in Chicago." And I love the fact that he just says they have a hockey team and two baseball teams. <laughs> to which I'm on the crowd laughing, like, "Wow, he's putting over Chicago, even though he's probably going to put them down next week." But just. Jericho knows how to do it. He's just absolutely crazy. Uh, we get this deal where Scorpio Scow basically gets a title shot with uh, a with uh, Chris Jericho. I, I love how they built up to it. It's funny because Scorpio is just showing like the utmost respect for him, and he's just saying like, "Oh, I just want a one on one match." And it's like, "Okay, it's like, you, all right, you want a shot at me? You got it." And he just says, and Daniels is just saying like, "Well, we don't, we know it's not going to be for the time." Title and they're doing this deal where it's like, well, we don't want to be for the title. And Jericho takes it as a sign of disrespect, where he's just like, "Oh, you don't think you're good enough to face Chris Jericho? What's for the AEW title? You want, you want the title shot?" And Scorpio's like, "No, no, I don't want it." And he's like, "You want, you want? Well, guess what, Junior? You got it." It's one of those moments where I'm like, "What? What just happened? <laughs> what just happened?" We do like, the, and it's it's like, it's like, "No, I don't want a title shot." And Jericho has that moment where he just. Grabs Scorpio's guy's head. He's like, "It's too late. We shook hands. It's official." <laughs> it's like, "Oh wow, they could confirm with a handshake." I, I kind of slightly hate this, but I also love it just because it's Chris Jericho. If it was anybody else, it'd be stupid. But it's it's Chris Jericho. He knows how to make anything work. He got a piece of paper and a pen over, for God's sakes. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, we had the Pride and Powerful to, to being Private Party. And John Moxley with the move of the week. My God. That pa- panorama uh, shoot from the top rope to Darby Allen. Oh, my sainted mother. That was that was beautiful. 
that was great. They put on a great match between the two. This was a great show by uh, AEW. It was just absolutely fantastic. On the NXT side, who they defeated AEW in the ratings war this week. And I will say this, one of my funniest ones, and unfortunately we will not get a chance to talk about like tweets of the week, but one that was actually really funny is one guy who's basically just saying, saying, NXT defeated AEW in the ratings. This is so stupid. I worked hard for my followers. You see his followers, and he's like 36 people. And immediately people are roasting him. It's like, wow, you really earned those 36 followers right there. You did a tremendous job. There's probably like that one person just doing like the mock. Burn. Just a slow deal, so. Uh, But basically NXT was mainly about uh, invading... Uh, SmackDown and Raw stars going to NXT to basically try and get revenge for that. That's kind of what it was. So, <clears throat> nothing really too crazy about that. But it is kind of great to see, you know, Seth Rollins back in NXT. To see, it looks like they might be teaming up Dana Brooke and Carmella. Which, in all honesty, I'm kind of okay with that as a pairing. I mean, I'm not going to really invest too much into it. Like I said, I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown anymore. But it's one of those teams where I'm like, you know, I could probably get behind that. That that'd be fun. I mean, they're not really doing anything with them right now, so why not pair them together? Uh, but yeah, other than that, that's kind of the it for WWE's uh, week. Uh, when we come back, I, <coughs> uh, Matt Riddle versus Ricochet, dude. Really? Oh my! Yeah, on NXT. Oh my god! Well, um, <laughs> Well, I will definitely need to watch that before I before I rest my head on my pillow tonight. So, um, anything else before I anything else or any any other matches that I should know about before I go too crazy? Uh, uh, yes, undisputed era versus the revival oh. from NXT this week. Oh my gosh, I did forget about that because there was a video of 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 them of the of revival walking uh, to the back, and fans are just chanting. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Because it's like they know that Revival's getting like crapped on on the main roster. So just they should th- go back. They should just go back to NXT. <laughs> Let them become like five time tag team champions for all I care. Oh God, yes. Please, yeah. The NXT tag tag division I think needs a little shot in the arm because you have Undisputed Era. You have. Um, was it the, the Matt Martell and that other guy? They're, they're from Quebec. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Ever rise. Um, Ever rise. To, oh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Although Oni Lorcan, I think he's asking for his release. So he he, he might be gone. Um, oh, but uh, we don't, but you know who is gone from WWE? Jordan oh, Miles. Oh are, are, yeah. Are are we gonna? Go? Oh, that was a mess. Yeah, Jordan are, Miles is gone. Uh I think we all need to say that because I kind of hit the nail on the head about what was all going on with that uh, last week's show. So unless you have anything else you want to input for that, I if if you want to hear a good um, talk about it, listen to to King Ricky and and uh, Kate Murphy cover it. They they, they did yeah. it very well th- this week. And yeah. I'm just scrolling through the rest of NXT here. Uh, Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley. I mean. The, the match that started, I mean, that's a dream match of all. That's like WrestleMania 37 right there. Mike, oh, Ray Ripley's the future, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't wait for her to, just to have a 
a run on. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go with Champa. NXT is the main roster, but putting Ray Ripley in WrestleMania, it's it's got to happen, man. And I don't see anything else worth talking. Yeah, a bunch of people came in and invaded, but this isn't going to have a WCW invasion feel. But uh, the main event we had, boop boop, uh, Viking. Oh, no, we had the Viking Raiders and the Forgotten Sons. Uh, who cares, because the Forgotten Sons <laughs> right. suck ass. Uh, oh, Adam Cole defeated Dominic Dajakovic in a non-title ladder match for control at TakeOver. Over the which band. will be yeah. tomorrow night, and I have a theory about the ending of TakeOver, but I'll get into that later if we end up uh, predicting it. Uh, it was a wild, wild match. Um, afterwards, just a big chaotic brawl. Um, Drew McIntyre came in and claymored the crap out of Dijak. Keith Lee set in and hit an amazing spirit bomb, you know, an elevated sit-down last ride, which lifting up that big, burly beast of a man was impressive in itself. Uh, Keith Lee, of course, I mean, King Ricky, I mean, Keith Lee, I mean, King Ricky, whatever, um, uh, hits a tope cannonball, uh, and then Seth Rollins came in, super kicked Adam Cole, all the booze, gets all all of the heat, and starts chanting, Seth's not cool! Seth's not cool! <laughs> and immediately, I'm like, my eyes, I'm like, okay, where's Giacobbe? Where's Izzy? You two are somewhere in that crowd. But they weren't. Um, <laughs> and a big old-fashioned uh, the CBS Sports is saying, a hockey fight ensued as NXT went off the air. Yeah, except that gloves were except that you know gloves weren't flying, and then you see a bunch of bloody faces standing there during the national anthem. Referee gets in the guy's face, and the and the handsome brother yells, "I'm listening to the fucking song." If you get that quote, if you get that quote, hit me up. You get a can of coke. <laughs> get that I think, quote, you, get, I think you get. I think you get this. We'll we'll, we'll talk off air. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. All right, guys. So we're gonna take a little uh, another break. We come back, it's going to be retro time because we're going all the way back to one of the previous Survivor Series that took place in Chicago. Actually, it was the only one that took place. We're talking about a show that took place about 20 years ago, and now it's going to come full circle. Take a shot. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back because we're talking about the Survivor Series. Good morning, Ooses. It's DFTC, Jeff Pamatrio, the host of Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, and you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast exclusively on Wrestle Addicts Radio. Hey guys, this is Nate the Up and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well at these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the and Great. I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCalMal. You are listening 
to the Game Changer Podcast. Sending lots of love from California. Oh my gosh, yes, that is the theme song of the B-Team. The original cool song of B-Team before they had that, whatever, like, high school No, no, no. Yeah, no, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, Guys, this is the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Nate the and Great, joined here by Mr. Fretz. One thing we love to do is talk about retro shows, and one of the biggest shows I thought definitely deserved to be on this was the last time that Survivor Series was held in Chicago. Surprisingly enough, that didn't happen until all the way back in 1989. This is, honestly, I think this is the earliest show that we've reviewed ever. I, I can't remember a show that was even, like, earlier than this one. No, uh, not even close, but a uh, spoiler alert, in the new year, uh, you and I are reviewing the Royal Rumble 1992, Ooh. and... And we are going to do a watch-along of the Royal Rumble match. You know what? It's, it's happening. It, it is it's, happening? I'm okay with this. It's got to be like an afternoon thing, because it's uh, 11.43 p.m. I work at 11 a.m. tomorrow. But I don't sleep. You know me. <laughs> so, you know what? That is true. It's unhealthy, but at the same time, I understand. So, um, second beer, unhealthy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, before we go too deep into the details of the Survivor Series that was held in Rosemont, Illinois at the, I think it was the Rosemont Horizon. Uh, we yep. have this nice little thing that we like to do, and there's a, there's going to be a better jingle for this, but it's time to go back in the Wayback Machine with Mr. Fretz. Just put that in. That's fine. There we go. Mm-hmm. So, it's November 1989, and little tiny Mr. Fretz is five years old. Kindergarten Fretz, yay! He is in kinder- Little awkward James Fretz is in <laughs> kindergarten cutting his track pants open as one of my best friends in the entire world loved to remind me even in my 30s. Yes, young awkward Mr. Fretz is now old, even more awkward Mr. Fretz living by himself in his little apartment. Yeah, and I think... um Around this time, uh, little Nate was uh, swimming around in uh, Mr. Grunman's junk, wasn't he? Well, I think that's the best way of putting it. And <laughs> I, how, how old are you? I, I am 29, and I'm going to tell you this right now, that um, I'm thankful that I have the door closed when you said that, because my dad is literally in the other room. <laughs> 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 this is the greatest. That would have been the best cameo ever. Oh, man. So we just had an opportunity. It is what it is. But, but but yes, I wasn't even created yet. But Mr. Fretz was kindergarten Fretz, which honest to God, I think I'm gonna name that this episode. Presents Kindergarten Fretz. <laughs> Cause why not at this point? Um yeah, yeah, so so you were growing up probably in the good old days where we had, you know, cool stuff, not these like things that we call hoverboards or these high tech phones. 
you talked about hoverboards, oh my god, you must have read my mind, because in this Wayback Machine, I have, oh, before I go through this, in this year, I was five, I was in kindergarten, full circle, I'm taking a swig, my nephew just turned five, and he is in kindergarten this year. Nice. And I haven't gotten a chance to even mention this yet. Uh, any time now between tonight and hopefully uh, Saturday morning, I will be a two-time uncle. But we will see. I'm not. I'm not going to rush these kids. They can come out whenever they're ready, and as long as they're healthy, as long as the mom is healthy, that's what matters for this. But I am looking forward to that moment where I can just scream out on top of the roof, be like, "I'm an uncle." Where. Uh, It'll be like this. I'll literally see if I can find that gif where um, Adam Sandler during uh, Hotel Transylvania 2 is doing that deal where he's like, I'm going to be a vampire. And maybe it has that deal where where, where the guy's like, I'm going to be a dad. Yay. Uh, welcome to the two-time Uncle Club, bro. Oh, man. It, it's cool. I'm looking forward um, to it. So I hey, continue. You. I have a few, and congratulations to uh, the um, the, family uh, just got to, to the family, to, to the to, to the other Grundmans here. So, um, I have something here. These, the following movies are thirty years old, and I'm going to be going through a couple of jingles here. So, I'm going to be vamping and going through my phone. So, whoa, my favorite redhead. Yes, The Little Mermaid is 30. And I thought this was a 90s movie. I thought this came out in like maybe 1990, maybe 1991. But I think I'm I'm mixing up Rescuers Down Under, which uh, I learned on Disney Plus here is Mark out a bit. Oh, this is the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that random long pause. Yes! Oh my gosh, yes! How do you think I feel? I'm I'm one of those people that still loves talking about that, and it's one of those things like it's older. We're gonna, we're probably gonna be talking about this a lot, but anyway, we have to continue. Um. Okay. Here's another. It's it's perfect because it's the holiday season. Oh. You only got so much time, damn it.
Oh, okay. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Although, I don't think until maybe December. I'm not sure if this movie even came out around Christmas, because a lot of your holiday-themed movies from the 80s came out in weird times. I wouldn't be surprised if this came came out just after Chucky. But, yeah, I, I think, I think National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, my favorite Christmas movie I watch every single year on Christmas Eve, even if it's by myself and I'm getting drunk in my apartment on Christmas Eve, I watch it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, another one that you might be... I don't know if you're familiar with Harlem Nights. I believe yeah. it's a movie with Eddie Murphy. It is a um, African-American... I don't know if it's a comedy. It might be one of those um, African-American um, time of trouble, strife type movies. Well, because it well, takes place in Harlem. Um, Steel Magnolias oh, and Don Bluth. All dogs go to heaven. Ooh. Oh, that's one of my a, favorites. A smorgasbord of childhoods. And, and I haven't even gotten to the video games yet. So, in music, topping the charts is Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. Oh. Um, Love Shack... By the B-52s. Glove slap, if you're a Simpsons fan. Oh, Um, jeez. Speaking of the Simpsons, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire airs in 1989. Wow. Simpsons is on its 31st, 32nd season, my lord. Um, in, in, In video games, we... Before I get to this, um... To this theme of this particular uh, this particular game, one of my absolute favorite games of all time. I didn't discover until I was God in, in my twenties. Clash at Demon Head for the NES came out in 1989. And you might know, hey, I know the name Clash at Demon Head. Well, it is the namesake of the of the rival band from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ooh. And once I heard that this band's name was Clash at Demon Head, I had to change my shorts again and again and again. This Clash at Demon Head is one of my absolute favorite NES games ever. It's it's just a platformer. It's got a bit of RPG elements in it. It's got a little bit of a... You got this map and you got to go like Route 6, Route 12, Route this, and it's a big zigzaggy mess. It's You got to go do a lot of backtracking. You got to go a bit back here, but it's awesome. And if you're familiar with some... Disney Nintendo games. (laughs) That, of course, is the moon level from the DuckTales Nintendo game that came out 30 years ago. One of the absolute best. Disney games, at least from this point in time, were mostly masterpieces, except for the Tailspin Nintendo game, which sucked balls. But if you have an Xbox One, or I think it might be on PS4, there is the Disney the, the Disney Afternoon Collection that has the DuckTales games, that has Tailspin. It might have Darkwing Duck. It might it has the Rescue Rangers games. Dude, this, this is, like, all the stuff that I, I, I remember as a kid. I even remember Roxette and Listen to Your Heart. 
like you know classic hair metal that's like wow girls can do rock too okay i mean i i learned that from listening to heart and i didn't know that um what's that song that's like um how do i get you alone i didn't know until a couple years ago that that was sung by a woman and i saw the music video from it i'm like holy crap this chick's a babe big (laughs) babies Okay, I'm, I, 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 I'm I, I, telling I, I, you, that Wayback Machine was crazy. That's, that's awesome, dude. Uh, I, while you were doing the whole deal about the uh, the, the, the uh, Disney games, I was going to say, but Mr. Fretz, what about that great masterpiece that was Mickey Mouse Capade? <laughs> the one that, of course, the game... I, I will say this, this is a great game, Grumps reference, where you literally hear Aaron just not even take this game seriously at all. Oh, it's Game one. Grumps, that's okay. That, <laughs> yes. that's, that is one of the greatest things. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> this game is a bunch of poopy asticks covered in chocolate feces. <laughs> Just, no. Well, uh, that is the... Um, oh, it was a Disney game for Nintendo, and I think it was like something, something in the Magic Kingdom. And it's like, you're going through Disneyland, and you're going to different parts of Disneyland, and it has like angry video game nerd ass controls and unfair difficulty it's you know James Rolfe would just go like yes this game's a shitload of fuck (laughs) I might have to look that up now (laughs) I have he didn't do that game though frankly but angry video game nerds my goodness Um, I, I have to mention one thing yes there was a replacement somewhere in this pay per view and it's a little later on but did you know that Barry Windham had a brief run in the WWE in 1989? I think I did, but I can't remember exactly the, I guess you could say the logistics of it, so. It was short-lived. Some six years before he donned a bunch of camo and went and went by as a stalker, that was a real thing, watched Forever oh, Series 96, um, he went by as a Widowmaker. Huh. Uh, for no reason, he was just a heel that came out with no theme, uh, superplexed some, some jabrones, uh, was supposed to be on a team with, <clears throat> he, well, when we get to Earthquake, he was on the team, Earthquake replaced him in the, um, oh, it was a little bit later on in the show, oh wait, no, here it is, it was, I think it was the opening one, it was whoever Earthquake was, Earthquake replaced him, because he was, I think he was caught in some kind of scandal, I don't know, or he was hurt, rumor and innuendo, chat me up, I don't know. Yeah, okay, makes sense. So, we're going into talking about, like I said, November 23rd, 1989, Rosemont, Illinois, at the Rosemont Horizon, 15,294 people packing in this arena here for the Survivor Series. Kicks off with the superstars saying that they are thankful for this, they're thankful for this. I will say this. That some of the heel stuff that they had there was just great. I love when they they had like Piper. oh my gosh, Piper, the the genius, Rick Rude, all these great things, just absolutely good. And I will say this: the side note here, before we get too deep in, I have a note that says two funny team names. We're going to talk about those names when we go into these matches. I'm not even going to reveal all the deals for it, but they basically had this deal where they. And I was like, oh, this team is faced off against this team. This is blah, blah, blah. They broke it down. That was actually kind of cool. But once they reached the team names, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of busting. I got a little bit laughing. Like, wow, these are very original teams. 
our great announce team for this show is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Pilgrim Ventura, who is donning a very unique uh, Pilgrim-esque-like deal. Uh, I love the pairing of Jesse and uh, Monsoon. They're absolutely great together. There's a lot of Thanksgiving references that were funny. Uh, the one that really got me was <laughs> was was the, the comment that Jesse made, where she said, "Gorilla Monsoon, you would have been you would have been the turkey to feed all the overseas troops, and they would still have leftovers." And then Monsoon, in the most driest tone, goes, "Gobble, gobble," to which I was on the ground just laughing. This was um. Oh, was this was this Kuwait or something like? Because next year in 1990, and like even WrestleMania Seven, they're like they're they're putting over the U.S. troops. And you know, well, if you're watching WWE from like 2002 until 2000, I don't know five. You know, you're putting over the the troops that are in Afghanistan, and you know, up here in Canada, you'd think that uh, that wouldn't relate to me but I had a very good friend and a relative who who were there so it, yeah it, it, it hit home for me big time but I think every every time there's a war going on like WWE which rightfully so it's like on the pay-per-view they'll, they'll put over the they'll put over the troops and I think like I, I was starting to watch 1990 because I think we're going to talk about that in the future uh, they were talking about um, I think they were talking about Saddam Hussein I just think, oh yeah, we're going to put Saddam Hussein something, something, I don't know, Piper wanted to put him in the sleeper hold or something, but... Something along those lines. So we get to our first... So this is a match of pure Survivor Series matches, so there's going to be a lot of talk about these. Some that are going to be not as eventful, and there's going to be some that are going to be more eventful than others. But the first one that we have up here is the Enforcers, led by the Big Boss Man taking on the Dream Team, led by the Malcolm Dream... Dusty Rhodes. Rest in peace, Dusty. Uh, Dusty leading his team of Bruce the Barber Beefcake, the Red Rooster, and Tito Santana. Arriba! And the yes. big boss man leading his team of Bad News Brown, Rick Martel, and the Honky Tonk Man. So, this was a very unique pairing of people, but you know something, I'm not going to judge it. Uh, very early on during the match, we see Tito and Martel uh, locking up, and Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura do a great job of saying that these guys, you know, they were a team together, and now they're going to be the, wor- the worst of enemies and stuff like that. It was just really great to hear that kind of stuff. You don't hear that as much through nowadays of wrestling, except maybe sometimes in AEW, but whenever they can reference that kind of stuff and be like, oh, these guys were, you know, worst of enemies, but now they're tag team partners and they're one of the best, stuff like that. Uh, it's really great. Anytime the dream came in, huge pop for them. He was just absolutely great. And I have stated for the record, he's the only man that I've seen that can rock those polka dots and make them go over. So, Chris Jericho, your move. Uh, Jimmy Hart would use his megaphone a lot where he would just be like, oh, man, you got to do this, you got to do this. No, you got to do this, you got to do this. I thought that was great. Loved that. Jimmy is just a a gem in this wrestling business. Uh, I also made a comment here where I said, Tito is the original Chico before we had Razor Ramon. So... (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes. There were so many moments where uh, where Jesse was just saying like, "Oh, here comes Chico! Here comes Chico!" It's like I, I, he's the original Chico. Let's face it. Uh, Rick Martel would get the first pin, beating uh, Tito Santana by using a nice handful of tights. Um, 
we get a little bit of a Sapphire sighting, which for the of you that don't know, Sapphire was the mascot of the Whack and the Polka Dots with the Amalcolm Dream, Dusty Rhodes. That was just really great. Um, I was going to ask if you caught that. Yeah, I did. Uh, there was a pumpkin pie reference completely out of nowhere, but apparently it was enough to make me note it and laugh about it. So it was kind of great. Uh, they get Bad News Brown involved in this, and they've really hit at the fact that he's a loner. He's this guy who doesn't really work well with teams. And there just came a moment where Bad News Brown gets hit, and he's just like, oh, you want to do that? Okay. He tries to beat down everybody, but then he just realizes, you know what? I'm out. Throws his hands up, walks out of there. He's gone. Uh, we get a nice, great Harley Race high knee by Beefcake to take out the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, Martel tried to get tried to get a cheating victory on uh, Beefcake, but the referee caught it, and Beefcake was able to eliminate Martel with a beautiful sunset flip. Uh, we see a boss man hitting the Red Rooster with a kind of a rock bottom-like maneuver. It was really weird. I thought it was going to be like a boss man slam, but he didn't do the torque, so it was just kind of like one of those things where it's like a Uranagi slam, maybe an early version of the, what the Red Rock Bottom was. So Rooster gets eliminated there. The Malcolm Dream Dusty Rhodes hits what I call the Dream Crossbody to pin Bossman for the victory. But Bossman, being the sore loser that he is, he just grabs his nightstick and thinks, you know what? I'm going to F some S up. He just beats down on Beefsteak as well. Beefsteak. Beef, beef cake, as well as um, as well as the American Dream, just beats him down, beats him down, beats him down until referees basically get him out of it. Uh, yeah, kind of a sign of things to come. Honestly, this was a pretty decent matchup to start off, uh, and it definitely got the crowd ready for the show. So they got the right team to go over. Uh, definitely had Dusty Rhodes in there, so it definitely fired everybody up. That was great. Uh, anything you wanted to add for this matchup? Uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, baby. Just absolute classic Dusty Rhodes here. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you on a couple of things here on the show here. But do you remember the name of the uh, tag team that Tito and Rick Martel were called? Um, oh, my gosh. They actually did mention that. Um, gosh. I, I remember I actually did, like, a quiz for, like, tag team stuff and like that. So I, I can't remember who... No, I actually don't remember who they were now. Yeah, well, Demolition defeated them for the tag titles at WrestleMania Five. if right. that's a help. Yeah, it doesn't help me at all. I can't remember... Strike Force. Stri- Strike Force. Oh, that's... Oh, okay, now that's starting to ring a bell. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, Tito, uh, he was... He, he was a low-key favorite of mine when I was, when I was young. Uh, I, I always wanted to see... Like, when I was going to the hardware store to rent all the wrestling movies, I'm like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, where's Tito Santana? Okay, he's here? Okay, I hope he wins when I get home. Like, <laughs> yay! Or, or, and he never did. I mean, he won on TV. He, he won the Intercontinental title the year I was born. Wow. Uh, he, he had 84. Yeah, he, he. I think he defeated Greg Valentine. Either he defeated Greg Valentine for the title, or Greg Valentine defe- defeated him. Because Valentine was the Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania One against Junkyard Dog. Okay, why am I voted for most informative? <laughs> um, I you're so, just as good as mine, man. <laughs> so hey, Tito and Martel, they're just two at the time, like just young up and coming stars who know how to get the crowd hot, just like that. Uh, Tito's got that fire. 
And, you know, I, I showed you a couple of weeks ago that Tito Santana has a pinfall victory over The Undertaker. Uh, and I remember him, uh, he won the tag team. T- I, was, I wrote this down because I thought it was cool that in 1979, like a young Tito Santana was a tag team champion with the veteran Polish power Ivan Putski. Oh, which I, I thought was a neat thing. I wrote down here that Sapphire was shown in the crowd. Bad News Brown just being... I love loner gimmicks. Like, they call Baron Corbin the lone wolf, but he always has a posse. I mean, that's something I don't see a lot of in wrestling anymore. Like, I, I would love to see just a guy that... He's a big heel, but he hates everybody. And I, I got a question here. Brutus, he's... Barber, correct? Right. Yes, Bruce the Barber Beefcake, right? What fucking barber wears fishnet? You know what? That is a fair question. I really I, don't know. My apartment here is my door shut all the way. I'm just looking at my. I'm looking at my front door right now. On on the other side of that front door is a hair salon. Um, that uh, my barber does not wear fishnet. <laughs> she's not, she's not wearing fishnet. <laughs> Um, because it's just, well, it's just not really, um, she's, I think she's technically, she's technically my landlord, um, although my actual landlord lives out of town, but, um, uh, but anyways, no, she doesn't, she cuts hair just for some of the little old ladies in the area, and once in a while I'll poke my head in, like, you know, I just got a buzz cut here, trade it in for, well, you need me to shovel the, shovel the walkway, or, you know, rake the leaves, just do any chores around the, the yard that they want, but, yeah, um, yeah, what, what, what barber wears, I don't want to go to a barber shop that wears fishnet, even if it's like, you know, um, it, insert hot female celebrity here, um, no, I'm going to get my hair cut, not to, well, you know, Bluetooth, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On that note, uh, so Bossman gets a little conversation in where he talks about the dream guy, what he deserved. And that there's more to come. Oh, you mean we're getting more Bossman versus the American Dream? I'm actually intrigued by this. WrestleMania six. Here we go. We had a little. We had a little backstage deal where we had the team four by four, headed up by oh hacksaw Jim Duggan with Bret Hart, Ronnie Garvin, and Hercules as they are going to be combating against the King's Court, Randy Savage, Canadian Earthquake, Dino Bravo. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Hey guys, did you want? Did you love seeing Jimmy Hart in that first match? Well, hey, he's out in this second one, and that's not going to be the last time you're going to see him in this night. So honestly, this was another pretty good matchup. Uh, I actually called uh, Garvin the chop master of this matchup. He had some I called real, something else. Oh, jeez. Uh, we're definitely going to get into your thoughts about him in just a bit. But uh, Garvin was definitely hitting a lot of major chops, and I thought that was great. Uh, we get this deal between Hercules and Earthquake. Earthquake does his, what I call the Quake Smash, where he just basically just sits on Earthquake after doing this uh, th- doing this whole running deal. He hits that, eliminates uh, Her- Hercules. Uh, we see Hart and Duggan trip up Hurt. Uh, Earthquake trying to basically, you know, take him down. We see the, we see Hacksaw Jim Duggan hit Greg the Hammer Valentine with the clothesline, taking him out of the, uh, out of the equation. 
there's a moment during this matchup where we see Bret Hart and Randy Savage have a bit of a confrontation, whether it's like a stare-off or they're just locked in the ring. I said that was great because it is kind of one of those situations where it's like, okay, it's like wrestling's past versus wrestling's future in this matchup. And Bret Hart was definitely like the, sh- the gem of this entire matchup. He did an absolutely fantastic job for this. Uh, Dino Bravo would eliminate Mr. Garvin with a sidewalk slam. I li- really thought that it was like a, uh, like a, I-, I don't know what it was. But I did think side it was like suplex. a, uh, yeah, oh yeah, the side suplex, it. that's right. It was sidewalk slam, it sucked. Yeah, but uh, Bret Hart would get an elbow drop from Earthquake, but have a beautiful kick out of that deal. That I thought that was great. Uh, but he would not kick out of the Savage elbow from Randy Macho Man Savage. That would eliminate Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, du- there's a point where Duggan is just getting teamed up by everybody, but then in the end we see him get Earthquake in a corner. He's throwing one person, two people. He's throwing everybody into Earthquake and into the corner. He's trying to just defy these odds. He's doing the best he can. Unfortunately, Duggan is not able to defy these odds. The numbers gets to be too great. He gets tossed. He gets beaten up on the outside. Counted out, and the King's Court picks up the victory here. Lone survivors for that are Randy Savage, the Canadian Earthquake, and Dino Bravo. After this matchup, though, we do see Hacksaw Jim Duggan get a little bit of revenge, where he basically takes a 2 by 4 he's trying to get after everybody, and he gets a couple good shots in, uh, and that kind of is the end of that. Nothing really too spectacular. Like I said, the highlight for me was seeing Bret Hart and Randy Savage uh, honestly, I'm going to try and see if I can find some matches between the two of them. Because even though it probably didn't happen in the WWF, it might have happened at least once or twice in WCW. I honestly hope so. Because that is a matchup I really want to see now. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, oh gosh, these are like the pretty, oh geez, I want to see these guys like competing for a world title or something like that. It has to happen. Uh, they did. But it was, uh, but yeah, this matchup itself was was decent. I think that this was probably like a bit of a step down. It definitely felt like it was a fa- it was the faster of the one. The eliminations came by a lot quicker. But you know, it definitely does give Randy Savage the uh, big victory going into No Holds Barred next month. Which trust me, we're going to talk about that when we talk about the next elimination matchup. But Mr. Fretz, your thoughts on this matchup: the two by fours versus the King's Course, not the Jerry Lawler one, but Randy Savage. Uh, a better King's Court. Yeah, and uh, thank you, OSW Review, because uh, I hereby call, I, I now call, I've always been, I've, I've called them this person that since this episode, but Ronnie Garvin is rubbish Ronnie garbage. Wow. One of the absolute worst, most mediocre, boring 80s wrestlers ever. He's a four, and He's a former NWA champion. My goodness, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Earthquake. You know, uh, Canada was represented well in this match with Bret Hart, uh, Quake, and Dino Bravo. And just I'm looking at all of these matches throughout the whole show. And I was even watching um, a bit of 1990, and I think that there's a team in 1990 that's all of them are dead. It's just so so depressing. And oh my! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 
my TV's on mute, and the freaking Oklahoma game just had a a stamp like a horse and carriage on the field at the football game. Just clash and burn. I'm turning it off. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like Will. I, I, th- I thought I could test out putting something on mute while I talk, but. <laughs> Uh, no, undiagnosed ADD doesn't work. Uh, yeah, so Quake replaced Barry Windham in this match, um, as I've mentioned earlier. Um, and I'm looking at this and thinking, at this point in time, WWE was thinking of testing the waters with Bret Hart as a single star. He won the 19, I think he won, like, the King of the Ring in, like, 1991. He might might have also won, won the one coming up. Here? No, he was in ninety. No, Doug, Doug and took the crown from. You're right. You're right. No, it, it was uh, King. It was um, say anything. It was Pedro Morales, and then it was. I think Macho Man won it. I think Bret Hart might have won it back then, or Macho Man might have won it twice. Uh, King Harley Race was after that, and then King Haku, and then King uh, Macho King. Uh, one, my favorite out of all that all that crew. I love oh, the talk, Macho King. Yeah, we're talking um, Macho King is great. Yeah, and I think I, I, well, I've been listening to um, Cultaholic's Classic Raw review with uh, Justin Henry and uh, Tom Campbell. Tom Campbell of Cultaholic, he is a treasure, like just, just the absolute best. And uh, a couple of weeks, maybe about a month ago now, when um, shout out to Kayla Moon, shoes, congratulations. Um, her, her little blurb with her with her baby got on the Cultaholic podcast, you know, really? if you like a lot of wrestling on your YouTube, join our cult, but it was just, if you like a lot of wrestling, and it's just the baby, dude, we practiced this for like four hours, I mean, come on, and it was like the day, she, the day little uh, Nora was born, it was so adorable, it, it got on Cultaholic's podcast, that I, I'm listening to the show at work, and I'm like, wait, what, like, no way, that's awesome, um, <clears throat> oh, going on here, so uh, Brett looks so out of place with these bunch of weirdos. Like, <laughs> Doug, like Duggan, uh, G- uh, Ronnie Garbage, um, uh, who else was on that team? Earthquake. Earth- no, no, Brett's team. There was Brett, Duggan, oh, Brett. Ronnie Garbage, and Her- oh, Hercules. So they're all, and like, he looks so out of place. With that friggin' 4x4 in his hand, I'm just like, this is so strange. And and Bret Hart was obviously tanning at the Tropic of Cancer here. Just look how tanned he was. Like, there's some Bret Hart matches where you can think, this guy's been somewhere sunny. Uh, Dino Bravo, I, I have a really soft spot for. Um, it, it was just so tragic how his life ended. Like he was, he was murdered in his own house. Right. Uh, he was in like the, like I think Quebec used to have like some cigarette smuggling problems. So I think it was a bit of a, a mob hit. Unfortunately for him, uh, Earthquake, who we know, who was Earthquake also known as in a future faction in the WWE? I think whom we talked about in 1998. I'm pretty sure that's Natural Disasters with uh, Typhoon, right? After that, I'm After talking that. 1998 Attitude Era. He was in a faction uh, with the Insane Clown Posse. Jeez, I honestly don't know, dude. He was Golga in the Oddities. Oh, that that I would not have guessed. Okay, uh, and then 
Is it the next match that has... Uh, yes, it does. The next match has my last quiz question, but we'll get there. Um, the Atomic Drop, that hammer cell... Hammer sells the Atomic Drop like he uh, pooped himself. There were couple- like, the way he walked was like, oh, he... It's like... He he played uh, he played let's trust a fart, uh, which you always lose. And to quote the movie Bucket List, one of my all time favorites, uh, there's three things that you don't pass up when you're my age. Uh, that you don't waste when you're my age. You don't pass up a bathroom. You don't waste a boner. And uh, I forget what the other one was, but it was really <laughs> funny. It, it, reminded, it reminded me of that bit. Um, the Garvin Stomp is so bad, so bad. And Ronnie Ronnie Garbage at this point in time was using the sharpshooter as the finisher and I think he was gonna he either locked it in on Valentine whom he was shooting with or he tried to lock it in and Bret Hart's thinking like hmm okay Macho versus Bret get in there and I was before I got sidetracked by um by Cultaholic's classic Raw review they had a title match but I think it was on like the tour after Wrestlemania Oh, okay. Overseas tour, they Macho and Macho Man was on commentary for most of '94. Uh, they're about to get into King of the Ring '94, which has Art Bonifant on commentary. How much does this guy weigh? How much does this guy weigh? I can't wait. No, and they do a watch along with all the pay per views. Get in. Oh, and then classic, like classic Jim Duggan, DQ. Brawl to the back. And I have to mention here that the genius is in Packers colors. In yeah, Chicago. That is, that is heat. <laughs> Absolutely. If he was in Minnesota, he would have been killed. Because Packers and Vikings, I think, have a more story rivalry than the Bears and the Packers, no, if I'm true. not mistaken. No, right. uh, I'm talking to a Wisconsin native here, so of course he would know more than me. Yeah, honestly, uh, that kind of ties into the next stuff, so. Had Gene Okerlund talking about Dusty Rhodes, making sure that he's okay. And then you mentioned, of course, you know, the genius uh, coming out with this nice little Thanksgiving poem to the natives of Chicago while wearing Packer colors. Gotta love how they just know how to do these references. Just know how to get the cheap heat. And you know something? I respect that. Genius. I think that was unintentional, but I looked at that and I'm like, that is definitely Packer's colors. And I got a shout out to... Uh, Guy that lives in my hometown, uh, he sells cars up here. Uh, Dave Hamill, you're a Packers fan, and you're still watching the game when you're in friggin' Puta Canta this weekend, you lucky prick. <laughs> um, so the next matchup here is the Million Dollar Team against the Hulkamaniacs. So this matchup was built up for one thing and one thing only, and thank God this was not the main event because I think people would have been pissed. It's all about building up the no-holds-barred match uh, that would take place next month, and they promoted the crap out of this during this show. So for those those people that are you know talking about, hey, you talked about some great movies, we also had no-holds-barred this year. Did it come out in 89? It, it did. So Siri, what year did no-holds-barred come out? I guarantee you it's 89, because they have an event even named after it. Rice of Passage No Holds Barred fighting is not what I'm looking for. Wow. Fuck you, Siri. Well, <laughs> kind of love technology. So, basically it kind of starts off with the Hogan and Zeus. They're face off against each other. Everything's going crazy, but Zeus gets himself disqualified in this matchup. Uh, bu- building up the 
and I think there was like a point where Zeus was actually putting a lot of pressure and doing this deal with uh, Hogan that a lot of people were like, oh, maybe he could lose to Zeus. So that was kind of a thing. And trust me, guys, if you were sick and tired of Super Cena, you have to forget there was Ultra Hogan. We're going to talk about that just a bit. Uh, Mecca Hogan. Mecca Hogan, thank you. I think it's probably a better way of putting it. Um, we have... Oh, I, just, I didn't even mention the teams. We had the, t- the Hulkamaniacs featured Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, as well as Demolition, baby. And on the Million Dollar Team, we had Ted DiBiase, the Warlord, Zeus, and the Barbarian. The Warlord, you might remember, for so many years, he had the longest record for the quickest Rumble elimination until 2009, where Santino Morella just broke that out of the, blew that out of the water. And I that wasn't will, ready! I wasn't ready! <laughs> and uh, that'll never be replicated again, so good luck, good luck, Mr. Vince McMahon, for trying to... Uh, well, okay, maybe. You're probably right. Mm, it's uh, close. Okay, but very close. I have to... I have to... Uh-huh. Just demolition. Rick Rick Derringer. Man. Uh, So the... Oh gosh, what what were these guys? Uh, Warlord and Barbarian. I believe that they were called the... uh, Like the... Like the... Not the Dojo Pain, because that's something in Wisconsin. Um, You're close. Because I have... My my question's about the Barbarian. Right. Um, But basically, it was... A weird, like, here's the weird thing about this, is that we were in a world in this time where people were saying, like, Demolition was knocking off the Road Warriors, and now we have this team of the Warlord and Barbarian seemingly knocking off Demolition? Giant question mark? Demolition came out, I think, around 87, and at the, uh, the 80, I think it was the 88 Survivor Series, there was, uh, that, that tag team elimination match when there was, like, 20 people all surrounding the ring with, like, it was, like, 10, five teams versus five teams. Uh, Demolition was then managed by Mr. Fuji. The Powers of Pain were a babyface tag team, really really hot baby faces and double turn Mr. Fuji double crosses <laughs> demolition joins powers of pain and yeah they, they came in around the same time and, and you could definitely be justified in, in thinking that they kind of ripped off the road warriors because well what what got the road warriors popularity in the 80s uh, face paint and kicking ass uh, demolition did the same thing Powers of Pain had the same thing without having a tag team title reign. And while I'm on the subject, before we start talking about the rest of the match, um, do you remember the other two tag teams that the the Barbarian was a part of in WWE and WCW? Why do you do this to me? I I feel like this is one of those situations where 
you find other ways to just either troll me or just to prove that I am not the most knowledgeable of wrestlers. Um, I honestly cannot say that I remember who they were. Powers of Pain was like the only one that kind of like came to mind there. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to... Honestly, not going to... Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me... I'm not, I'm not looking at Google. To be fair, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> well, okay, we talked about... Oh, no, this not, th- not this team. No, no, I I got the headache already from this. Okay. He was in The Faces of Fear with Meng, Haku, and also the new Head Shrinkers. Oh, when, okay. Samu, when Samu left the WWE in 1994, if you watch Survivor Series 94, which this week Bruce Pritchard reviewed, um, it was uh, Faku and Sioni he went by, which I think is actually part of his real name. Anyways, yeah. Stump the Jump, uh, part two. Uh, uh, no, one of the things that popped up in the Wikipedia one right at the very bottom, he said, oh, it was a part of factions such as the Dungeon of Doom. And I'm like, no, God! No, not that match. Please, no, thank I, you. I wasn't going to talk about Dungeon of Doom. I was only bringing up the faces of fear. I realize that, and I appreciate that. Um, so Demolition actually get eliminated by the Powers of Pain. We see Fuji tripping up Axe, and he gets hit with an elbow drop. Then we also see our Barbarian take out Smash with a clothesline. Uh, Powers of Pain, they get a little too overzealous here. They have like a four-on-two advantage, no, but and unfortunately it ends up kind of costing them because we see uh, Powers of Pain get DQ'd after they just would not listen to the referee. I think it was even after a dual pile driver or it was a double pile driver, whatever it was. Um, and that was what took them out. And this is a rare spot for me because I don't think I've ever seen Hogan look as defeated as he kind of looks here. Because this is where uh, Ted DiBiase kind of just takes a little bit of the advantage here. He basically decides, okay, well, I'm going to start taking him down. He locks in the uh, million-dollar dream on Hogan. And there came a point where Hogan actually almost uh, passed out. Uh, They were doing, like, the whole, you know, three-arm drop deal. Just as they was about to reach that third drop deal, here comes Jake the Snake. He's just like, nope, stopping this. Million Dollar Man locks it in again, but Hogan's able to get the tag to Roberts. He gets some good shots on the Million Dollar Dream, on the Million Dollar Man. However, out comes a casted Virgil, who gets brought into the ring, eats a DDT just before Jake the Snake is able to even, you know, get get up from that DDT. Here comes the Million Dollar Man. Boom, fist drop to the face of Jake the Snake covers, uses the ropes for extra advantage, so it's down between uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Hogan. Guys, it's usual Hogan stuff. Million Dollar Man beats him down, Hogan gets the advantage, does his, you know, big boots, he does the ear thing, Hogan leg drop, one, two, three, Hogan wins, Hogan wins, yay! Sorry, sorry, that was kind of one of those things where Kat took me out of it, where it's like, ah, I'm so used to this, this, uh, kind of deal. But it was still a good matchup, though. I will admit that the things between, you know, Zeus and Hogan were just, 
maybe a little corny, but they definitely did try to get like Powers of Pain and Demolition feud to go further, which I believe they did. Um, Roberts, I mean, my gosh, he definitely looked like a star in this matchup. Uh, he even made the Million Dollar Man look really great in this. So to be honest, even though I didn't like the Hogan stuff, I was pretty impressed with how they handled it. Uh, we get a deal where Raymond the Macho Man Savage and Zeus, they're talking about the No Holds Barred deal. Then when Briefcake, Beefcake and Hogan start talking about it, out comes Queen Sherry. She basically blinds Hogan and Beefcake. They get assaulted. They get taken down. Boom, 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 boom. That's kind of the end of that. Yeah, it, it's all built up for the uh, for the matchup between the four of them at No Holds Barred the following month. So, I mean, not much more you can really say about that, unless you have anything more to add for this. Uh, so we have here uh, Thunderlips versus Debo. Oh, that's right. Uh, we got um, the amount of bullets in this match, and yes, it was uh, thir- this movie is thirty years old, but it came out in June. You know the whole <laughs> what's that smell? Uh, Damien comes into the ring and everybody bails. So would I. I hate, I hate snakes. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Big bottle of nope. And, uh, hey, 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 Morty. Uh, look at Zeus's unibrow. It looks like a butt, Morty. <laughs> um, and Zeus is bad. He's bad. Um, Hogan does his classic body slam. Uh, the Zeuser Taker, I mean, Zeus, the Undertaker, full circle, full year before Undertaker, the Phenom, comes in. Uh, and the Zeus does the Fiend neck snap. Hmm. Huh. Uh, Zeus gets DQ'd for too much choking. Um, yeah, I was going to make a really, really terrible joke here, but I'm going to move on. Uh, Earl Hebner is either the bravest man alive or the stupidest man alive for trying to get involved in this. Uh, Ted's motioning for the money, like, hey, hey. You're getting get paid, Zeus. Come on. Come on, Debo. Come on. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, Hogan must pose, pal. And I want to know, um, I'm looking at the Warlord. He has the palm tree on his tights, and I went for a quick Google search. Okay, what's the deal with? Okay, well, the Warlord's from Florida. That's okay. I mean, the Barbarian's from, I think, Tonga, or the Sam- or somewhere in Samoa. I think he's loosely related to the Anoi family. I might be wrong. Um, so many disqualifications, and then no holds barred. The movie, the match, and but uh, Ventura was talking here, and I noticed he had a T-shirt that said Abraxas. Do you know what Abraxas is? I think you're gonna tell me. Uh, I'm gonna say, kids, Google it. It is one of the worst movies of all time. Oh, great. Uh, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura as an action star. <sighs> no. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that, that's kind of funny. Um, so, next up we have the, uh, I call them the Rude Dudes, but it's the Rude Brew. It's uh, Rick Rude's team. Of <laughs> which, honestly, I'm looking forward to this because you definitely said that karaoke night is coming. We had Rick Rude, Mr. Oh. Perfect, and the Rougeau brothers. Uh, and hey, look who's back. It's Jimmy Hart. Have the, taken on the Rowdies. Rowdies. 
Rowdy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, and the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. So they get a little promo. They talk a little bit about the matchup here. Uh, I will say this, that one thing that you mentioned when it came to a lot of these theme songs, or especially the Rougeau Brothers, is the... Uh, is that, you know, the karaoke night was coming, and I, as soon as I hear the Rougeau Brothers theme music, it's like, okay, I can definitely see why why this would be something that people would want to sing in a wrestling-themed karaoke deal. <laughs> Rougeau Brothers theme song, just to be sure. <laughs> as soon as I saw that fabulous Rougeau Brothers theme, I was taken back. Uh, oh my god, I so, love the Rougeau Brothers. But like, okay, we're all American boys. Um, you're from Quebec. Uh, Quebec fucking hates Ontarians. I've been to Quebec. Montreal is a beautiful city. Do not go to Montreal wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs t-shirt. Please, please don't. Unless you want to hear every French swear word from Tabernacle to Calice. Um, and as far as I know, Quebec doesn't like America that much. So why would they consider themselves all American boys, but they're from Quebec? Anyway, so oh questions. This, this is... Jacques Rougeau before he became the Mountie. One of my, oh, yes. Your all-time favorites. <laughs> yes, and I'm meeting him at Comic-Con next year. I can't wait. Oh, man, that's great. So I have, like, the first thing on my mouth is just, you know, so much nostalgia here, uh, hearing, you know, the theme songs. Uh, once we get to, like, the rowdies, you know, you hear Superfly Jimmy Snookers, you hear the Bushwhackers, and then you hear Piper's theme music. All just absolutely great. Uh but basically, how do you start it off this matchup? With a lot of biting. I mean, you see a lot of the Bushwhackers, they're doing bitings. We see Snooker do some biting. We see Piper even do some biting. Uh, I will say that one of the best things from this deal is Piper telling everybody, no, you can eat after the match. You can eat after the match. And there's one of the Bushwhackers, they have like a turkey in their in their tights. And Snooker's trying to eat and stuff like that. It's just so funny. This is one of those things, like, it's the most obscene tag teams you'll ever see, but it's just so beautiful. So great. Uh, Jacques Rougeau gets eliminated with a Superfly Splash. He's gone. And Ray would soon follow, not too long after, by getting eaten a pile driver to by uh, Piper. Uh, Butch would unfortunately get rolled up, and he's gone. Luke would get a nice rude awakening by the one and only Ravishing One. Uh, during this matchup, I definitely noticed that Ventura says Snuka. Not Snuka, Snuka. So I guess uh, if he ever comes back to wrestling and we see uh, Snooky, 
Oh god, thankfully he was not the he was not in commentary during WrestleMania twenty seven. That would have that would have been like probably the only way that no I just take that back. He should have been in commentary for that match. He would have saved that matchup just by saying Snooky. Just by saying Snooky's name wrong. Just 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 so he's like again this out of touch person who believes in all of these, you know, crazy theories and he just can't say the word Snooky. It's just, it just says Snooky. It's like it's, it's, it's like when okay, I, this I'm calling them out here. It's like when King Ricky says the word ask and pronounces it axe. A S K ask. Uh, it drives me nuts every time. But then I remind you about they they joke about it in Futurama. We're like, oh, you must be using the archaic pronunciation. Like, when you use ask instead of axe. Is it the New York dialect? I don't get it. I am <laughs> so getting fired from the network. <laughs> you know, dude, I've said probably worse things than you have when it comes to King Ricky, so I think you're fine. If I still have a job here, you definitely still have a job here. But it's good to know I'm, rel- I'm being such a good influence on you. <laughs> oh, man, we... we, we uh, we tolerate you, King Ricky. At least I tolerate you. I'm not at the point where I say I love the man. I'm at the point where I say, I tolerate him. He's- no, I love you, Ricky. You're fine. <laughs> now, I'm the one that's getting fired here. <laughs> but, um... WrestleMania podcast coming to WrestleMania. Oh, my gosh. That's, I, I guarantee that will happen. Um, we see Rude and Piper both brawling on the outside, but unfortunately this leads to them getting counting out. So that leaves Snooka, or Snooka, and Mr. Perfect. And these guys have a really good showcase of each other. We see, you know, Snooka using a lot of his, a uh, spe- little bit of his speed. We see Perfect trying to do, you know, a lot of his technical style. It's a really good showcase between the two of them. And it's like, I kind of would like to see more of these guys fight off one-on-one. I really liked it. Uh, but we see this very beautiful, beautiful transition into the Perfect Flex where uh, Snooka bounces uh, Mr. Perfect off the ropes he goes down. He does a he does a bend over deal. Uh, Mister Perfect. He almost seamlessly does a great transition. Grabs Snooka's head. Get gets the arm. Then he grabs the leg. Perfect plex. One, two, three. Mister Perfect is your lone survivor for this matchup. And then Snooka just decides I'm gonna wreck everybody's shit. So he just beats down on everybody. A lot of babyface just attacking people for for losing. I guess. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, it, it, this is your current WWE booking. That's that's whatever. Um, and then they have like a root, <laughs> the root crew. <laughs> Jeez Louise, I'm just coming up with these new names for this because the because because the, whatever they ah oh gosh, whatever, whatever they decide to call Root's original team name, I can think of so many different things for it. But I like Rude Dudes instead, just because it sounds better. Uh, but they basically talk about the winning deal. It actually starts like fading away as Mr. Perfect does his deal where he's like, that win was absolutely perfect. So that was that was great, though. I really liked that. Uh, there's also another deal here before we get into the main event where the Warriors are talking about their matches. Jim the Animal Nyhart, my God, does he laugh a lot during this promo. But... But geez, it's it's great. Had Jim the Animal Nightheart and Ted DiBiase been a tag team, they could have been the the Laughing Rich Boys from the the Laughing Rich Boys. 
I, I would pay to see that, actually. Um, but, yeah, they talk about their matchup. And I made, a laugh-off. Oh, gosh, a laugh-off? No, thank you. Um, the There's a point where I said, like, young Shawn Michaels kind of scares me a bit. And then just seeing Warrior doing his deal where he talks a bunch of rubbish, stuff like that. I've seen, like, highlights of it, but seeing, like, a full promo of it, it's like, this is terrifying. I, I want to go. I just I just want to go. Um, but, yeah, honestly, before I get too far, before we go into the main event, uh, do you have anything to say about the uh, the Rowdies and the Dudes? I'm calling them rude dudes. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm looking at this. It's just so depressing. I'm looking at that, like, I hate doing this, but in all of these matches, I'm just like, I'm doing the death count. And it's literally half of the people involved. It's so depressing. Oh, that's right. But like as, as I said here, I wrote down here, crank that friggin' awesome Montreal to Memphis song. Uh, just, ah, uh, we're all American boys from, from Quebec. And that Barry Manilow line is so good. Uh, this match, I think, was it was just nothing but fun. Uh, big fan of Roddy Piper. Uh, as I said, like, he was... Out of the, all the wrestlers that passed away in recent years, his was the one that just, that one killed me. I mean, I've said before, you know, Piper is born in the same year as my father. And at the time that Piper died, uh, I didn't know it was touch and go with my dad as well. And thank the Lord that he's good. You know, uh, last week, you know, him and I, uh, I shared a couple of drinks with the old man. So, uh, Mr. The, o- the, o- the OG, Mr. Fretz, he's a, he's a, he's a tough man. Oh, like he's kicked cancer's ass. He's, he's had, he's kicked radiation's ass. Uh, he's, now it's just basically you're just dealing with the after effects of it. That's such as life. I mean, he, he just turned 65. So it's like you're dealing, you're just dealing with the after effects. Um, yeah, he, he can't. Uh, take a lot of stuff internally like he can't eat or drink he has to have a thing that just feeds him to his side here but he tries to drink a little bit he he loves his beer and you know the doctor's like yeah you can't eat or drink Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow but he'll he'll take a couple sips of beer spit it out because I guess he wants the sensation but yeah I shared a beer with the old guy a couple times last week so that was that was good, but Pipe, uh, Pipe, I miss Piper so much, and Perfect, and Rude. Uh, murder fought Jimmy Snuka, let's, let's not go there. Mm. Um, uh, everything here was gold. Uh, Shane McMahon, I spotted Shane McMahon at the end of the match during the ref pull-apart brawl. Really? Um, and the Perfect Plex is, I learned this, uh, I tried out for the wrestling team in, in ninth grade. Uh, this was before my surgery. Uh, I tried out for the wrestling team, and... A variant of the perfect plex is an actual Olympic wrestling move called the small package. Wow. But you don't lift him up and slam him back. It's just you kind of go back and cradle with the guy a little bit backwards. Okay. In the, in, in the same fashion as that. And then post-op, about a year or two, a year or two post-op, I tried out for wrestling again. But it was like we got all the mats out. And it was like, okay, do a bunch of forward rolls. And I'm like... I can't do this. Um, I'm going to try and learn how to grapple and all that, but then my dreams were crushed uh, before my very eyes. And 
your boy did not enter the business. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't have done it anyways. It was just me being a teenager, being like, I want to be in the WWF. I wrote that in like my grade eight grad, like from elementary school. I wrote that as my quote. And then when I left high school, when I graduated high school, it's like Fretz voted most likely to, and it's like be in the WWF. And I'm like, eh, no. <laughs> maybe as an as an interview, maybe as like the next Tom Phillips, but at this point in time, I'm good having a nine to five or today a one thirty to ten job. Uh, but you have to learn things the hard way. Cheers to the OG, Mister Fretz. Yes. Here, I still got a little bit left in my beer can. Thank God. Yeah, a little bit of the bubble. All right, let's go into the main event, guys. It is the legendary. Heenan family taking on the Warriors, or the Ultimate Warriors. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, so, basically for this, uh, we see, first of all, Andre is in the ring, and he gets clotheslined out of the ring by the Ultimate Warrior and counted out. Immediately right off the bat, it's like, well, okay then, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but another thing that was kind of interesting was that, uh, oh gosh, who, who was it that, I think I actually did say this, um, one of the competitors that was scheduled for this matchup, it didn't happen, Tully, he unfortunately could not be part of this, so they put in Bobby Heaton, who had the most god-awful ring attire that is making him look like mini Andre. And it just, Andre Singlet. Oh jeez, that was just bad. Um, but, you know, after, after that, people are just kind of like, well, what will happen next year? And there's a lot of other people that are just saying, like, well, it's one step closer for Warrior to get Bobby the Brain Heenan. To be honest, spoiler, it happens, but we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Haku hits Jim the Animal Neidhart in the back of the head to eliminate him. Pretty good, Matt. Pretty good deal there. Uh, I put down Heenan pins Janetti. Hell. <laughs> Hell froze over, which is also kind of funny because they made like who a didn't, who didn't pin Janetti? I mean, come on. Okay, that's also fair, but at the same time, he doesn't get pinned by a manager like a weasel like Bobby the Brain Heenan though. That's like, ugh, that's like you've reached the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you don't see the like you know one two three kid getting pinned by Bobby the Brain Heenan. They totally would have done it. Yeah, you're right. Damn it all. Um, I'm, I, I'm gonna have a think now. Uh, who else did Bobby Heenan pin? Red Rooster. He pinned the Red Rooster. And you know, I, I said before, Tito Santana pinned the Undertaker. Um, did Heenan pin Tito? Hmm. Did Did Heenan no, pin no, Tito? No, no, no. Heenan never pinned Tito. Heenan never shared the ring with Tito Santana. Maybe only as a manager. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I can't go off the top of my head. It's almost one o'clock in the morning. I'm not. I'm not getting quizzical now. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think they had this kind of reference where I think it was. I think it was like a war or something like that. Where uh, they they talk, they talk about something like where Gorilla Monsoon, not Gorilla Monsoon, uh, Jesse Ventura said said that you know if they go any faster, they're going to be going straight to Milwaukee or something like. I, I don't remember what it was. I just remember a Milwaukee reference in there. I really need to write these down. Next time I'm going to do that. Um, HBK, young Shawn Michaels pinning Haku with a beautiful crossbody. That's a bit of a surprise. So it's down to 
Uh, Shawn Michaels and Warrior taking on Arn Anderson and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Arn Anderson, truly a workhorse for this deal and knows how to hit a beautiful spine buster. Hits it on Shawn Michaels, he's out. And, yeah, you kind of get paid the picture after this. Warrior, he basically kills the... Could be kills Anderson, beats him down, but there is a really funny moment during this deal where he pins Arn Anderson. Keenan doesn't know about it, so he's basically watching as Arn's going to the back, not realizing he got pinned. He's just like, Hey, Arn, where are you going? What are you doing? And Warrior is just doing this, like, not so casual sneak around to basically get Bobby the Brain Heenan, <laughs> to which he finally does. He hits, he hits the Warrior Splash again, and then one, two, three, the Warrior picks up the victory. So, this is where, you know, it slowly starts to build up that momentum that Warrior would get going all the way to WrestleMania. Because, of course, it is the ultimate challenge. So, they have a little pit stop between then, between now and WrestleMania, where they do tease that match a bit, and that is the Royal Rumble. So, that's obviously really great to see that. Uh, this matchup itself, I mean, like I say, it showcases uh, the Ultimate Warrior. We got to see a little bit of the Rockers, but in all honesty, I think that if I had to pick you know, my least favorite one, I think it has to be this one. This yeah. one was just kind of, was like a hit and miss. Some points were like, oh, this is great. I mean, for me, I have a big respect for Arn Anderson more than all that I, because I met him. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, hey, Arn Anderson's in there, and here comes Warrior. Damn it. After that, it's just like, eh. Kind of the usual stuff where Heenan gets the crappy out of him. <laughs> so, I, I can get, I can understand why that would be that why that would get old real fast. But uh, your thoughts on the main event? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it was okay. I mean, you were building up the Ultimate Warrior as a top, as a top guy anyways. Um, just this nonsensical, drunken, screamy promo in before the match. And I'm looking there, it's like, not one of you is sober. You are all just blitzed right now it's ob- it's obvious uh bobby heenan wrestling and i'm just looking I-, I didn't google it here and i'm not about to right now as my phone's almost dead but i'm like uh tully where was i think tully might have been hurt or maybe this was just or maybe he's kayfabe hurt because i have a theory about a certain uh nxt war games match uh uh participant um Maybe this was just kayfabe just to get Bobby Heenan some heat uh, for him to get the snot beat out of him. Uh, Andre and Anvil Ooh. being in the ring just reminded me of the Mania 2 Battle Royal. Uh, Warrior is late, so he was definitely having um, the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland vibes here. Um, like I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Andre gets counted out and it's nap time just like that. Haku is the most dangerous man in the world, not Ken Shamrock. Heenan pitting Marty, I thought, lol. Um, Warrior just destroys. And I noticed there was a bit in this match where someone threw a glove in the ring. Who throws a glove, honestly? That's a fair question. I actually did remember that now. I don't remember I don't remember where exactly it was. I think it might have been when Warrior pinned, 
beat uh, Heenan, but it was like you just you see this glove. This so, it looks like a winter glove just flutters into the ring ever so gently, which is the most gentle thing I've seen get tossed in a wrestling ring. <laughs> it's, it's really weird just seeing the things that fans do. Uh, so all in all, nineteen eighty nine. Not, not that bad of a show. In all honesty, it definitely had some moments where you definitely felt the nostalgia. Um, I think by the time the end of the night took place, we definitely could tell that we were a bit burnt out. So maybe it was one of those things where, you, for, where for me, I kind of understand why they finally decided, you know what, maybe not all these matches should be Survivor Series matches. We should probably build them up as something a little more special. But, you know, I, I don't know. It is kind of one of those things where it was just like, Eh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like one of the greatest Survivor Series. I mean, I've, I've 2014 still stands out as one of the best, including, and also 2003, oh my gosh, yes. Um, but this one, I think that, you know, it's still a bit of a trailblazer. You have to respect the people who definitely uh, put their time into this. And, yeah, in all honesty, like, like we said, we got to go down uh, memory lane, for quite a bit, and nostalgia was pretty awesome. Getting to see great favorites like you know Dusty, like Piper, like Rude, who are unfortunately no longer with us, but to see them in their prime, it's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I love watching these these classic pay per views. That, that's one of the thing I really this was like renting these old uh, movies. Uh, this yawning is contagious, Nate. My God, I know. Um, I'm sorry. see that um, as far as predictions go for me uh, I do think that you know it's going to be a fantastic weekend as far as who I think is going to be the final member of War Games there is one name that has been mentioned that has been signed however they've not really brought him in yet I think it might be for a specific reason like this one I do believe that it's going to be John but I don't think it's going to be Johnny Gargano I think that they're going to bring in John Morrison, which would be a great way to cap off, you know, NXT. And as far as you know, Survivor Series go, I'm in agreement with you. I do believe that NXT is going to 
pick up the victory here. Th- this is the way that I predicted it, was that during our group check, we mentioned kind of how we think that Survivor Series is going to go down. I think that Survivor Series is going to go down as NXT being the superior brand as far as you know brand supremacy, quote-unquote. Uh, the second one will be uh, Monday Night Raw. And then the final one will, of course, be SmackDown because, honestly, they're going to... It's the same kind of booking that we've seen over and over again. I, I'm sorry. The, the, the one more thought I had, that the War Games match is going to have a dusty finish because WWE is going to invade and stand tall at the end of TakeOver. And the heat carries over to Survivor Series. Um, that would be That's good. just my silly... F- I, I broke out... Um, J.C. Bones is, uh, I stole his fantasy booking book here, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting that. Hey, oh, hey, just, I think by the time, actually, hey, the fourth wall WrestleCast might be uploaded by now, so that's my, uh, that's my Monday night, that's my Monday morning walk covered right there. Well, there you go. And I know that, you know something, I think that, you know, with all the crap that we give a lot of our co-hosts, we still love them no matter what. Except for me, oh, yeah. Except for what? me, except for me, when it comes to King Ricky, I'm still I still tolerate him. I'm kidding, Ricky. You're a great guy. You're awesome. Keep up the amazing work with what you do with Wrestleatic Radio, uh, guys. We're gonna wrap this up because that was just our brief predictions deal. If you want to know the exact predictions, definitely check out the Twitter feed because you'll definitely be hearing a lot of who, who I think should win, who I think should be victorious, and stuff like that on Twitter. Uh, also. Be sure to check out the Facebook fan page to see all the predictions there. Uh, we are going to wrap this up because it's another deal where we are just absolutely exhausted. Uh, we are the late we are the late night tired boys, but you know something? We do it for you guys. So be sure to vote for us for the Wrestling Podcast Awards. And be sure to show just as much love as you can. Just keep you know, just keep voting. Do whatever you can to promote so that we can get more people. You have until Monday. You have until Monday. You have until Yeah, by the time this comes out, it's gonna it'll be tomorrow. So definitely get your votes in, make them count. Uh, A lot of thank yous go out to Wrestleatic Radio. Like I said, us here at the Game Changer Podcast, the Gift of Podcast, Fourth Wall Wrestlecast, Not Your Mono Soap Opera Podcast, as well as the Kings of the Rings Podcast. A reminder that on Wednesday will be the final, the finale of the Nacho Mama Soap Opera, so definitely check that out and give Jeff as much love as you possibly can. Be sure to also tune in to next week's episode of the Game Changer Podcast where we will announce the nominees as well as the candidates for these nominees for the Game or Gamey Awards, whatever we called them. I think they were called the Games, whatever. Um, yes. Also, if you haven't gotten a chance to, uh, be sure to donate to Ranta Claus, Rant, Mr. Anthony DiStefano. He is doing a great job with this, you guys. It is a great charity that gives back to the kids that are not as fortunate as you are, and they have not, are not, well, just, just donate so that they can get toys this year. They deserve at it. The, at the R, the, it, it's the rant, but I think it's the R, the, and, Podcast. Just, just look up the rant on, on there. You, you, you can hit me up on on Twitter if you need more information. Uh, I, I've donated to him this week. Uh, you can even uh, is it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the RVNT. I'm, I'm fairly certain. So you can hit that up on Twitter. 
I think you only have until Friday. Until until Black Friday. So yes. by the yeah, it's 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 Sunday when you, it'll be tomorrow night when you hear this. So yeah, you, you don't have it very much longer. And um, if they reach a certain goal, uh, Brad shiny. Uh, nope, Kyle is the shiny head one, but Brad. I think his Twitter handle's at GarlicBrad. Uh, he's going to be donned out in an entire, like, elf costume or something. So it's going to be something to see. No, knowing him and knowing uh, his, his, his appearance in the elf costume, I think, would be just uh, hilarious. Because uh, The Rant is a lovely podcast. So good. Yes. Yes, indeed. Guys, thank you for joining us here at the... Wrestle Attic Radio version of the Game Changer Podcast. For Mr. Fred's I've been Nate the Effing Great. I hope you're ready because the year end is just around the corner. Be sure to check us out on our Twitter at, at, at Attic underscore Wrestle at the le- Legendary JF at <laughs> Real FN Game. I am almost a loss for words right now. Uh, be sure to check us out on so many different podcast medium forums including YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, you name it, we're more than likely there. So, guys, we'll talk happy to you next Thanksgiving. And a happy Thanksgiving to you guys. And just be thankful that we do still have some great wrestling around here. You just have to go and find it. Peace. Bye-bye. Peace. Gobble, gobble. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Better get ready. Bow to the masters. Degenerate into something fool. We just got tired of doing what you told us to do. That's a brace, boy. You can tell me what to do You know who you're talking to Well you better get used to the way the ball bounces I see what you got, it measures in ounces But that's a brace boy, yeah That's a brace little man, bring it down You're on your way to pick up your daughter from her first high school dance. As you pull away, it starts to rain. Hard. Thankfully, you have a new set of premium Trico wiper blades. Engineered for over 100 years to perform in any weather condition. With Trico's full line of premium beam blades, it also means you've got a clear line of sight for her first kiss, too. Hey, buddy. Head to your local auto parts retailer for a set of premium Trico wiper blades. Trico. Seeing you through. Excuse me, Captain. This is your wake-up call from the new TrackFone Wireless. Uh, what's that now? What if you had to fly this plane while sitting back in the cabin? I wouldn't have any control. Well, that's what it's like going with some wireless companies. But TrackFone Wireless gives you control. Hmm. Get unlimited talk and text on America's best 4G LTE network starting at $20 a month, no contract. Plus, unlimited carryover data with active service. That's cool, but how'd you get in my cockpit? This is your wake-up call, people. The new TrackFone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.